Hello and welcome to Progslog, where we go through 2000 AD week by week, issue by issue, and I am Michael. And I'm Craig. Today we are looking at Prog 2360, titled The Weight of the World, and we've got another Devil's Railroad cover. Yay! At time of recording, the, the most recent episode that's actually gone live has been us talking about the last one that was the Devil's Railroad cover, mm-hmm. and us going on about like how we think it's great that the Devil's Railroad got a cover, and that cover looks like it's not for this issue, and it's more like what would be the cover of like just a devil's railroad maybe trade yeah uh, i think we've got the same thing here really this is the ad that was in the magazine yeah recently for the devil's railroad it's a nice piece of art mm-hmm. because you've got constance and palamon huddled up underneath in the shadow of the earth and the earth's got a bunch of graffiti on it so it's earth for earth, for humans only i was gonna say earth for earthlings mm. uh, aliens not welcome get out and go home still a bit of a line cover because they're not together at the moment and, I genuinely, uh, genuinely thought you were going to say it's a line cover because at no point are they threatened by the planet Earth itself looming over them. Well, that too. They they are not yet this close to Earth mm-hmm. and are not together. And we have seen a little bit of mention of how people on Earth don't actually like the refugees coming mm-hmm. into Earth. Well, they're, they're um, sort of hopefully thinking that it's going to be good for them to go yeah. to Earth. But I imagine when we get to Earth, the Earth arc, whenever it happens probably going to be pretty depressing. Mm. Do you like the cover? Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's kind of mixed media, media-ish, and I like the white space as well. It's, it's striking. Yeah, the Earth itself looks like it's very textured. It might be an actual globe. Yeah, it's something like that. It's a bit paper mache, to be honest. Yeah, it could be like a cutout or like a paste-up thing. The cover art, as with the art for Devil's Railroad itself, is done by Rufus Stiglow. Ooh, you've reminded me. Yeah. Um, I didn't didn't notice when I read this last night, because I was a bit sleepy when I read it. Mm-hmm. Did you notice if any of the credits were missing again? I didn't make particular Ooh. pay particular attention to read through and check that, because I normally just yeah, read out. Yeah. I normally just read out the credits when we're doing this. Yeah, but like you've reminded me there by looking yeah. at it, and I was like, ooh, I better ask, because you might, you might have noticed. Suspense. Yeah, yeah, like we're, we're setting up L- for stakes. Listen along, listeners, and find out if the, the trend of missing credits continues. Maybe it's like a like a cipher, or like, like we can map the missing credits and it'll spell out a message of like stop wasting your lives on this fucking shit you, <laughs> like it's just missing credits it's not that big a deal I'd be quite surprised if the names of the creatives in 2008 combined together to create that kind of a message but also it is a big deal because yeah, yeah credit the artists. Artists. I, I believe they take that very seriously they do themselves. which is why I'm bringing it up it's yeah. a weird situation we're in as we're talking about crediting people shall we credit the people that have left comments to us yeah we've, we've had responses to two previous episodes that I think we could probably have talked about last time but we didn't mm-hmm. look I didn't know there was comments on Spotify I learned a thing <laughs> Okay, Richie said, Nice job, lads, but please read up on PJ Maybe, which is absolutely fair mm-hmm. because we talked a lot about how we don't know who PJ Maybe is. Yep, it's absolutely fair, but I, 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 I took this comment on board because I was mm-hmm. like, well, I like that we're the test group. You know, we, we yeah. have it, we've been reading some of Tootcad, we haven't read all of it, and like the comic should, well, it should appeal to everyone, but it yeah. should be at least a little bit friendly to people who haven't read 30 years, 45 years, I should say. Maybe they should have hired Richie to just have a little box at the side being like, PJ maybe once had a sex robot that looked like Hershey and was Mega City 1's Mayor Ambrose. I would, if that was a little box, like a little collar, yeah. a, a flash fact. That, that's exactly the information that I needed. So yeah. thank you very much, Richie, who I, I will fully name if you leave another comment <laughs> telling me to do so. <laughs> 
Uh, he also credits that uh, PJ Mini was initially created by John Wagner with uh, awesome Liam Sharp art. Liam Sharp or Sharpie. Given, given that we're talking about crediting people, I thought I should probably read out that particular mm-hmm. part. Liam Sharp. I know Liam Sharp from that Grant Morrison run of Green Lantern comics that was weirdly 2000 AD-ish. Hmm. Was and that because it had Liam Sharp art? Like? And also, like, Grant Morrison was also in 2 count. But like, I, I don't know why they were leaning into it as much as they were. That's like a... You don't think of Grant Morrison as being a 2080 guy. He though. was dark for, like, a hot minute. Was he? Well, he, well, the Summer Offensive, like, 93 or whatever. You know, Big Dave. Uh, you've to- told me about Big Dave in the past. Have I told you about Big Dave live on air? Then? I don't know if you have. Big Dave. It was 93. Him and Mark Miller. It was... It was edgy and... There was a comic called Big Dave. Big Dave. It was the, the smash hit of the Summer Offensive, and that's why Thar keeps mentioning the Summer Offensive mm. or the Autumn Attack. Was it not, like, a famously bad comic, though, you were telling me? I don't know if it was bad. I've read it. It's, like, it's very Mark Miller. Mm-hmm. It's, like, the least Grant Morrison thing I've probably read. The least Grant Morrison thing by Grant Morrison. Yeah, mm. for sure. I mean, he kills, like, Postman Pat at one point by drowning <laughs> him in the toilet. And it's, like, he's drawn as, like, a muscly man. But Postman Pat is just drawn as Postman Pat. Like, it's... Sound the fetish alarm! How did this get past anyone? Well, that does sound special. Mm. Uh, Princess Diana is involved as well. Another Michael, but I think his name might have an accent in it, so it might be Michael or something. Before you go into that... Yep. I have a thing to say to Richie. Okay. So I, w- I want to be the test group where we're like, we, we haven't read as much as we should or could have. But also, he's absolutely right that we could have, over the course of eight issues eight, yeah, of... Eight individual things about eight, PJ maybe. Eight individual podcasts about PJ maybe we could have. At any given point, mm-hmm. yeah. And I took that on board and I was like, right, there's a, there's a judge in this issue who I don't know who I should look up yep. before we go to recording. Yep. And I didn't. I mean, we're very lazy people. Yeah, to be fair. And and we do both have day jobs. So Yes, exactly. It you does, can help with that, it, listeners. It, it does take it out of you. So Michael, or however you pronounce it, mm-hmm. uh, says, With all the praise for the bear, because this is the, the regen issue where we're, both big, high. where we're both big on that polar bear. Oh, I fucking love that polar bear. That was a great polar bear. I, by the way, like creators of Lowborn High, if you listen to this podcast after I spoke at length about how I loved the bear... <laughs> To you on Twitter, and then like heard me calling you. Well, not calling you story twats, but mm-hmm. calling your, your, your comment, characters. Your character. I'm I'm sorry. I genuinely want to be your friend. It's just I have to shout about Tories when I see them. It does seem to be a compulsion. It does. It does. With all praise for the bear, I really hope you'll do a special episode on the Shanko graphic novel someday. Shanko being the the comic that they've done about a polar bear. Yeah, that was in 2080. I'm excited to read that, and like the next time I go to Forbidden Planet, I'm going to mm-hmm. check if they've got it because that seems directly up my alley. He also suggests that perhaps we could do that in the three-week break after the Christmas prog, in keeping with the wintry theme, perhaps. And I think that's quite a good idea. It's a good idea, and I love the thought that people want more from yeah. us. If we do that, you will have to pay us money on Patreon to hear it, though. <laughs> no, probably not, actually, because we, we do have to do something we have to during, fill, but like, you during know, the three-week break. We, we, we now know we have a guy who wants to hear something from us, yep. and we do have that Patreon. And as I keep saying, any individual listener is a significant portion of the listener percentage. Exactly. So exactly. if we're pandering to just that guy will do it. it the thing is I, it's the push and behold between like I don't want to pay wall anything yeah. but I also want to get paid and if a wall is required for that yeah. that's so we'll be it shall we crack open the, yeah. the magazine in Tharg's nerve centre we have got Tharg opening up by talking about the comics that are in this prog as he often does however this is something I will call out because the comics in this prog are different to what they have been for yes. the last like eight weeks yes indeed 
in particular, the Judge Dredd story is called Clanker, mm-hmm. and it is a follow-up to previous stories called Grinder and Flusher. Which are one-offs that I think we both remember quite fondly. I remember them quite fondly, and also for the last seven seven podcasts, I've been calling for a big, like a, a single-issue dumb dread. Yeah. And these are like icons This of has that. been a series of single-issue dumb dreads. Yeah. And again, you might think, I'm like, oh, he's calling it dumb. Dumb in the Jeff Gerstmann way of, like, good dumb. No one, no random people on the internet listening to this podcast about a comic are going to necessarily know what you mean by Jeff Gerstmann dumb. That's why we have to establish it. We have to keep saying it. But now we're going to have to spend 20 minutes telling people who Jeff Gerstmann is. <laughs> Misery Tension. People know who Jeff Gerstmann is. Jeff Gerstmann is a video game reviewer, and in his podcast mainly, he and his other reviewers would talk about things being dumb often uh, in a kind of, what would be the term? Lovingly loving, like yeah, like, 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 like a, a term of endearment. Yeah. Like if something was was like really silly but fun, they would call it silly dumb. and good. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, mostly dumb. I think that there were also things they called dumb that were bad, and they were recognizing that. But yeah, for you, the most you, part, you're gonna have to go on tone. and you get this one explanation, <laughs> write it down, and 300 like progs from now, I'm still gonna be calling things that I love but dumb. I think the best practice would be that's our disclaimer for when we call things dumb, it's not necessarily bad. Get get this segment clipped maybe, and play it before every use of the word dumb. Maybe don't go around calling things Gerstman dumb. Gerstman level dumb to the general public. Anyway. Gasp. Uh, we also, the other things that are in the comic, we've still got Healing, we've still got Feral Info, we've still got Devil's Railroad, but we also have joining us because Fall of Dead World is not here. I was going to say Fall of Dead World is dead, but it's not. No. It's uh, on hiatus. It, it, it still lives somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our hearts. The Fall of Dead World is still a threat. <laughs> Um, but joining the selection, we've got Enemy Earth, which mm. is a comic we've talked about before because this is one of the comics that graduated from being a regen comic to being in the main prog. And it was much better for it. Yeah, I would say so. I really enjoyed that. I think this is book three, so I guess this I really, is, yeah, I guess I really enjoyed book two of Enemy Earth because it, it just went, it just went places, yeah. it just went. But going back to Tharg, he's also saying that we've got the is it a hundred page Christmas issue? It's, it's a, a big one. one. It's a big one. It's I, like I'm, a yeah. A special edition. It's going to be like magazine size. Yeah. So that is going to be 2362. So we've got one more regular prog before we've got that. And then there will be the three-week break, which we've discussed before. And we've we've been coming up with ideas for what we'll be doing. Coming up with ideas? Not committed to doing any of them no. yet. Uh, one of the stories that he's saying will be in the Christmas issue is a Judge Anderson story, which mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty pleased by. I like to see Anderson about, but like every time I've seen our stories recently, I've just been kind of like, mm, okay. Well, you say that, but we both loved that one from the magazine. That oh, was... that's true. It's a follow-up to fucking Thousand Fists, whatever it was called. <laughs> I don't think it is, because mm. he, he doesn't tell you a bit of what the story would be about. And there will also be a Rogue Trooper, and we also both like Rogue Trooper. There, there is art for that Rogue Trooper on this page? Yep, there's an advert for it. Written by Jeffrey D. Wessel. Yeah, Wessel, Vessel. Nuclear Wessels. Nuclear Vessels. You, you love the one with the whales, so I'm surprised it's taken you this long to, to get a Star Trek Four reference in. Mm-hmm. I think it's the Jaeger guy. That's one of my favourite things about this podcast, is being like, it's the it's the lowborn high artist, or it's it's the Jaeger artist, and like just just 
guessing at and it. Never confirming it. Never anything. confirming it until like we see it and it's not, and I have to like, <laughs> oh yeah, it's 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 not actually the Jaeger guy. But but look at those blacks. Look like the the deep like dark blacks of the inks really look like the Jaeger guy, and the blue like tell me that's not a Jaeger blue. Uh, well, it very much could be because Jaeger takes place within the same continuity yeah. as Rogue Trooper. People love Jaeger, and I feel like the more I talk about Jaeger, the more like our social clout goes up with the the two cad fan base. Do you think that people love Jaeger because you hear people talking about drinking Jaeger? And no, 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 it with no, the comic. no. I've seen people online on X saying, "When's Jaeger back?" I saw one person saying that. I quite like Jaeger. I like it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Norts. The Damage Report mm -hmm. is also back, talking about how it's still a gloomy place in the, what do you call it, the control zone? The, the command, the control module, zone. The command module, yes. Yeah. And one of the WAGs has dubbed it the Nevermore Center. What does he mean? Instead of the Nerve Center. The wives and girlfriends. Of the droids. Of the droids? I mean, why can't a droid have a girlfriend, I guess? Because they're subjugated. Like, they... they... <laughs> They don't leave the command module. They, like, they don't have lives. Yeah. They get beaten. Like, we've seen droid lives recently for, like... They the do thing. go down to pub, though. That's true, I suppose. Um, but the other thing that I was thinking about this is... Because I think this is done by Cyber Matt. Uh, is this Cyber Matt's wife or girlfriend mm. in particular? Or is it... I would love an actual, like, a played straight strip about a wife and or a girlfriend of an art droid. Mm. Where, like, they... they, they become in a relationship with the art droid and it's like played as a, like a romance comic like just just completely straight faced and then like the deepening like terror and suspicion the more they hear about their boyfriend the robot's boss Tharg <laughs> and like having to like break into the command module to get them out and it's like an abusive relationship I would love that well uh, you can have a crack at writing it I don't think I'm the right person for that, but like mm. I can picture it and I can see the art. You, you know that sort of like misty, like you know I was going to say the women's comics of the seventies. I, I think that was what Valiant or whoever was in charge of two thousand AD before Rebellion was. I think that Misty was there having a go at a girls' comic of the same. You know type. those girls' yeah. comics that are just like girls' name and yeah. they've got that art like that, but their like their boyfriend is just like a little Wallace and Gromit like tin roboty like guy on stick legs and a round body. One of the guys from Droid, Ro Droid yeah, Life. Yeah, a Droid Life robot. Yeah. yeah, they're droids. They need their lube. Yeah, that's that's the nerve center. I liked the damage report a little bit more this week because it was. Oh, they were also talking about how like the droids are gothing up. Yeah, they're talking about having long coats and clumpy boots. I, I I like that visual. Yeah, and I feel like that's a little bit more than the the paragraph of text has been given us. Yeah, for the last few months. It's it's fine. Mm -hmm. What I will say to round this off is uh, maybe if you're if you enjoy the nerve center, have a look at our uh, podcast description and uh, mm. maybe somebody's started adding something there, mm. and uh, I, I might think it's very good. I think it's very good as well. Yeah. I was wondering if you're going to bring it up or if we were just going well, to forever I, leave it a mystery. I, th I thought I might bring it up this one time when we've started doing it, mm -hmm. and then you know after that it can be secret. But we have comics to talk about. Comics. First comic is Judge Dredd Clanker Part 1. It is a part one. It's a part one, but that it's means part it's, one. it's not a one-off. It's not a one-off, it's going to be like a two-parter, right? Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah. The script is by Ken Nymond, the art is by Nick Dyer, the colours are by John Charles, and light the beacons because letters are by Annie Parkhouse, who we made a big deal of being the letterer for every other comic, uh, the first like two episodes of Prog's Log, yeah, and then seemed to just disappear. Just, uh, it's, it's Parkhouse and Boland, you yeah, know. Yeah, like, Boland does an awful lot. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm glad to see that Annie Parkhouse apparently still has a job. Still has a job, still kicking, and yeah. they're good letters. Yeah, they are, actually. <laughs> Unsun Hero. The letters. Yes. And we'll never give the colours any credit. They're alright colours, like them. <laughs> 
I recognize those colors. So the story with the previous clankers, not clanker, what were they called? Grinder and something. He calls them out in this comic. Flusher. Flusher and Grindor. They sound like Transformers. So there is like a cyber ghost going around possessing mechanical things in Mega City 1. It, it, one day, it was great. I, I love it. Like it, the One day there was a strip where like an energy being, ass energy being yeah. from Star Trek just popped into Mega City 1 and it was like, I will take over the city of flesh weaklings yeah. and immediately like possessed a toilet. Uh, was it a toilet the first time or was it like a... It, I think it, it ran from a, like a garbage disposal or something to a was toilet. Was it garbage disposal and then the punchline it was, it was it upgraded its form to something into much, a toilet. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever it was the first time which would have been Grinder, Yeah. Um, not the dating site for gentlemen. <laughs> no. Um, but like it was it was some kind of thing like that. Your description of grind, uh, Grinder makes me think of it as like Victorian gentlemen mm. like in their armchairs with their brandy in the times. It's like checking on Grinder. Good, good heavens. I mean a lot of them would have been if they had Grinder available. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it went on to, to be a toilet and people would go to the toilet and the toilet would like drown them with toilet water. Not Grinder. The, the app That's didn't the, go on to be a toilet. No. The, 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 the energy being thing, the, the, the artificial intelligence yeah. that is also a ghost. It, it's an energy ghost being. And both times it has been possessing a thing in Mega City. Uh, one Judge Dredd has turned up and kind of without noticing foiled its plans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really good. And the, um, there was like the, when it was a toilet, wasn't there like a full page of it just being a toilet over like nine panels? Yeah. And like Mega City 1 people... Progressing the the, the meta plot of Mega City 1 around it. Yeah. yeah. Like there were like punks pissing in it and like people being sick outside it and like great, great yeah. stuff. This time it has possessed a Mechanismo unit, which is a I robotic find judge. that name very hard to say every time I read it in my head. Mechanismo? It's like machismo, right? Yeah. Is it like a thing that goes back to the very early days I'm of go- I'm Dread? going to guess it's like a named thing from like main yeah. Dread stories. Because you see them about. You do, yeah. There's there's other robot judges. Uh, there's another robot judge in this story, in fact. He looks like, to picture it, listeners, it looks like a robot judge dread who's being cosplayed by Desperate Dan. <laughs> he has the proportions of Desperate Dan, but is a robot dread. Because of the chin. I mean, Judge Dredd himself the, the, the has a big chin. But it's wide, and he's got, like, the barrel chest, and, like... But we open on somebody running away from something, and the text boxes are saying the prey thing is fleeing from me. How did you find the... Because, like, it's it's narrating the chase. Yeah. Um, how did you find... Because it crosses out its own narration? Well, I like that because clearly it's, like, overwriting, or it's either the AI is overwriting what the Mechanismo unit mm-hmm. is thinking, or the Mechanismo unit is, like, reinterpreting the thoughts to work in its programming. Yeah. So there's things where it's like the prey thing and it's got crossed out and it's like the perp yeah. is running. And the weird thing about that is that um, when it's talking about like, oh, my nemesis has arrived, yeah. like the, the other thing that replaces it is like the Punisher Protector. Mm. So do the robot judges think of Judge Dredd as the Punisher, Punisher Protector? Protector? Well, he's a bit like the Punisher. They're not wrong. Yeah. But it's, it's just he a weird will, thing. He will both punish and protect. Yeah. Depending on which side of the law you fall on. Yeah. I really like this opening page. Uh, I, I like the art. Mm-hmm. And I like the... Because, like, this guy, this punk's running, and he runs into some other punks. And the other punks are like, look at what we've got here. Yeah, they're in, like, you're in the wrong part of town. This is our territory. And um, one punk just, that, like, smacks the guy that's running from the start right across the face with a metal pole. Mm-hmm. And then the next panel's the guy that got smacked being like... Oh, it's not me that you have to worry about. He just, just no-sells that. Like, he, like he, he takes a metal pole to the face and is fine. 
Yeah, there's no blood or anything. No, like there's no. Be, but there isn't. There will be blood. Yeah. Uh, and then they're like, it's the, it's him, it's the clanker, and you get like a, a big panel of the clanker running at them. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he turns up and he just seems to crush that guy's head under his boots. I was going to ask you because I, I found that a little bit hard to to parse because I was like, oh, is that is that the guy? I think it, yeah, because you see his like terrible Skrillex I mean, here. he was the one that was closest to the floor. Yeah. And here we've definitely got the clanker with a wee ghost line coming out of his eye to mm-hmm. show that he's possessed. Mm-hmm. Jumping through the air and then the next panel is just his boot surrounded by blood. He also... With, like, bits near it. He shoots someone with his clanker gun but is it, like, shooting out his ghostly energy it, being essence? It definitely doesn't look like what Justice Department would issue as a no. normal, like, plasma weapon. It, it, it's bending around one guy and, like, spider webbing around somebody else. The first guy that gets hit by it, head just pops like a balloon full of, like, meat. Uh, and it's, it doesn't look like it's connected to his head as well. Like, yeah. There's a gap where the neck is. Very effective. I love this page of violence. We've not had much like dread violence recently. No, that's true. And the, it's mostly been investigating. Mm-hmm. And like I'm not big into gore, but like this is quite gory. But it's cartoony and like it's not too much. Like the one that he's punching his fist through is great. Yeah, I mean he is punching his fist through somebody and popping two other people's heads. Mm-hmm. But if it, this makes sense, it doesn't feel gory. No, it doesn't. Doesn't feel like I feel like this is the kind of gore you could have shown in the seven, like put in a seventies comic for kids. Mm. No eyebrows would have been raised. Especially if it was in black and white, you don't get the red pops of blood. I think you'd probably get a few more eyebrows raised over this character, who seems to be wearing like a big, almost helmet thing that covers her upper shoulders and head, and then just a bikini top. I'm going to be honest with you, I thought she was a safari nun. <laughs> she, she's sort of got like a wimple, is that what it's called? An, uh, like a nun's wimple? I mean, it could be something like that. And, and it's, like, a, it's an odd piece of clothing. And like a collar piece, but it's in khaki, or mm-hmm. like beige, and then she's, she's only, she might only have the one bra cup on? No, she's definitely got two. They're is it just two? Different colors. Is it a Harley Quinn situation with the different colours, or is that shadow being, like, good for censoring? Uh, I mean, there's also this shadow looks a bit like they're being connected. It does, it does. I don't know, really, but they, like, the skin tone is a different colour from either one of the breast areas. We could potentially ask her later, mm. um, because she doesn't die. Uh, yes, that's true. All of the, the male characters in this area die. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when the the Mechanismo unit is bearing down on this strangely dressed woman, I think he gets shot. There's like a spadoon. Yeah, he gets shot in the back. And he turns around and it's Judge Dredd. Mm -hmm. And the uh, the text box says, it's my arch nemesis, their greatest uh, fellow judge. And fellow judge is crossed out and Mm. it's Punisher Protector. So that's the Mechanismo saying he's a fellow judge, Mm. I guess. Yeah. So... It's Punisher Protector is what the... I can see that. AI ghost is calling he's, him. He's, he's like an energy being from another dimension. I like... See this, like, dread turning up. Mm-hmm. Three, it's, he's three pages into the two, the five-story strip. But, like, it just feels like he just turns... It could have been any judge. But they were like, no, j- just make the story happen. He turns up, he's in the sewers or something. like. Yeah, I mean, like, there's no reason why he's here before this. Yeah. But, uh, he does talk about how he's found the one they're calling the Clanker, mm-hmm. and it's a Mechanismo unit. So presumably he's been on the case. There's been reports of this, yeah. yeah. But they have a fight, mm-hmm. and uh, Judge Dredd kind of loses. Mm-hmm. So he starts off by shooting it, and then um, he's, he's like, I'll give you a, 
a chance to you know power down or whatever. Yeah. And then the the mechanism unit shoots back, and Dredd's like, "Oh, fine, have it your way." And he fires the the bikes like main guns, bike cannons. Mm-hmm. But it's got a it's got a green energy shield, which I vaguely remember from the last one. Or it might just be that um like that seems like a thing that it would have. I don't think it had that when it was a toilet. Mm. But it, it, it was it, quite it, a threatening it, toilet. It was. It got up and yeah. wandered around after Judge Dredd discovered it for a bit. I like the um judge procedure of like, well, I'm gonna give you a chance. Like, it could be another comic could just turn up and shoot you, but, like, yeah. you know, I'm a cop. Like, f- like, fire yourself down, and then he's like, says a thing, and it's okay. One liner back at you. I mean, yeah. I, I think that there's, it's maybe a bit out of character for Judge Dredd to do the I'll give you a chance. I thing. like it, though. I think that's good. I think that's good Dredd work. Okay. But the the robot then just shoots the bike and, and Judge Dredd goes like flying away off of it. Um, and then he's got Judge Dredd banged right. He's pointing the gun mm-hmm. and he's like die puny prey thing. And then that's crossed out in perp. So this time it's the AI ghosts monologue that's getting crossed out. Yeah. The, which the... maybe actually plays into things because... Oh, for sure. The ghost is wanting to kill Judge Dredd, but then the programming of the, the, the mechanism unit is coming up and it's saying system error, kill kill the arch nemesis, no system error, retreat and recalibrate, and it just wanders off. The droid's programming is like, no, we can't kill him. He's can't the kill l- Judge Dredd. He's the law. Like, what? No. We can kill these street punks, that's yeah. fine. They're, they're clearly gangers. So then Dredd's lying on the ground, he's like, control, uh, we're going to need some specialist help. Mm-hmm. And uh, we then cut to a group of judges who Dredd is among in the sewers talking about what they're going to do. They're waiting for a Psy Division judge because he thinks that there's some kind of Psy whammy happening. He did say whammy, which made me laugh. I don't really alive. know what that means, but... Well, he's, he's clocked that not only is it like a droid thing, it's possessed by something, yeah. and he's like he's putting together that it was the thing that possessed the toilet. And There's some kind of weird shit going yeah. on. Get me Anderson. Phone, I'm phoning Anderson, like... And uh, he does say that he, he specifically asked for Anderson. Yeah. Um, but he's also with a, a robot judge here who uh, might be someone we've seen before because there's a robot judge in Noom Chimsky. There is a robot judge, and he's a, a top lad, if I want to Yeah, recall, he right? was a pretty cool guy. Yeah. And there's also another uh, robot judge in Department K. Yes, I don't think it's the K judge. No, they, I don't think they so get either. a lab coat. I really like... These specific robot judges... He is called Patsy. Patsy. Judge Patsy. Or possibly she's called Patsy. I like that these robots... Whenever droids and robots turn up in Judge Dredd, they're just folk. Mm -hmm. And, like, this one isn't, like, beep, boop. Like, I can... She's just like, oh, so you've had some trouble here, right? Yeah. Because this robot is just a person. Well, there is a bit where Dredd's talking about it being an old Mechanismo Mark 1. And this, presumably Mechanismo Mark 2 or something... Mark something. ...is like, oh, Mark 1. Didn't think there were any of those left. Yeah. And I I don't know if there's a particular thing that brought it to mind, but I thought it was a bit of like, oh, those old things that aren't even people yet. Yeah. Yeah. I do like robots that are people. Robots that are people are one of my favourite things about the Judge Dredd Mega City 1 setting. Dredd says that he's waiting for uh, Anderson, but then Control gets in to say uh, they're sending... They can't send Anderson. Mm -hmm. uh, Something about cutbacks, I think. What does that mean? Like, I wanted to ask you about this. I don't know if that really means anything. No, it means like they're sending someone else other than Anderson. They're, They're sending somebody called Caspian and then the robot guy's Patsy's like do you know Caspian and Dred's like yeah I know him and then the uh, on the last page when they're all together well first there's a bit where the, the, the mechanismo possessed thing is like oh I'll take control of all these other robots mm-hmm. and sewer be, robots presumably there'll, there'll be more of a fight to happen next time than just one guy these guys reminded me of do you remember the little beetle robots from the first or second episode of Samurai Jack 
Vaguely, yes. They, they're like, there's like a swarm of them, and they're going to attack yeah. the donk people, and he has to defend them. And they're they, they're that shape with circle eyes. I think they stack up or something in the Samurai Jack episode. But like specifically these ones, because they're little like Slater, like mm. Woodlouse robots. I was going to say Borox from Biocle. Borox as well, because they yeah. can curl up little balls, yeah. roll about. This one looks more like a Wally or a. Yeah, there's there's one that isn't the kind of Slater like design. A Johnny Five. Maybe there's two because there's one here. Yeah. But I was distracted by that because there was a whole thing where it's like we're not sending Anderson, we're sending Caspian. Yes. No Caspian. He's like yes. And then the last panel is all of the team together, and uh, Judge Caspian, and you can tell that because he's got the side badge, mm-hmm. is saying, "Oh, just like the Apocalypse Squad, a crack team of the department's finest under the command of the living legend of the law." <laughs> and then Dred's like. Uh, control uh, needs to be notified as soon as Anderson becomes available. <laughs> it, it's a good call. I really liked this thread this week. I needed it. Yeah. I needed it after. Not to say that the last thing was bad, although I probably did say it was bad multiple times in the last seven months, seven weeks. But I needed like a one or I guess two off. Yeah. Fun time. And you're seeing different characters. The, the side judges are weird is a thing. There's like a running thing. Yeah. All they're, side judges are weird. All side judges are weird, which means that they're like... They work for the fascists, but they're cool guy. It's a weird like I don't I can't quite square, square it in my mind. Like well, I like Anderson, but it's weird that she's cool. What yeah. I like about that is that presumably uh, mutations that give you psychic powers are rare enough mm-hmm. that if you're a psychic who's willing to work for Justice Department, they won't crack down on you with as much of the indoctrination <laughs> as they maybe would do with just your average yeah. regular person trying to become a judge. It, it, it's a fun thing like I say though I just can't quite square it like every time I think about it I'm like I like it mm-hmm. but I'm like mm, it's a bit kind of iffy on the, the fascism front I mean okay yes but not everything needs to work together it'd be better sure. it. not everything needs to work together to be as much thematic as it possibly can be it's a mighty broth of yeah. fascism <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's a mighty broth of themes or well, something like that. Well, like themes, but... like they're all fascist. Like they're all like everything in the soup is fascist. Fascism and the police state is a massive part of the identity of Mega City One. Yes, but like it's in a big, massive bowl of yeah. other fascist and horrible, dystopian things. Yeah, and they don't all have to be equally as fascist. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there anything that I didn't call out here that you thought was particularly cool? About the story, uh, I like it. Uh, uh, normally, I would say, like, is it Judge? What was the the psychic judge called? I can't retain Cas- Caspian. Caspian. I can't I retain that. his name. I remember that because it's like Prince Caspian uh, from the Narnia stories. Normally, on uh, if I saw a last panel like this, I would say he's not long for this world because that's the type. He's like, oh, he's, I'm really excited to be here with. He that, might very well get shot in the head immediately. But he is time. a named guy that mm. is like a punchline. Like, like we're meant to react. Like Dread seen him before, so he presumably we've had gags with him before. Yeah. So like. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that he survives the next thing to come back next time for another gag where it's Judge Caspian. Well, possibly. We'll see next week, I suppose. Yes. Victorian gentlemen like in their armchairs with their brandy and the times. Goody good checking on grinder. It went on to, to be a toilet. Bending around one guy and spider webbing around somebody else and he would go to the toilet and the toilet would like drown them with toilet water. Grinder. 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 The dating site for gentlemen. Second up, we have Helium Scorched Earth Part 9, script by Ian Edgington, art by Disraeli, and letters by Simon Boland. Boland! We open on the fight going on between the 
the, the creature, the, the turtle-like thing that had the doom on it, as I, it turns out. I would say the doom kaiju. It's definitely very kaiju, mm-hmm. um, and you don't necessarily always get a great view of it. It seems to have like lobster claws, and the first panel is probably the best one, where we've got uh, Hodges and Co. flying like directly upwards away from it. Uh, the the dragonfly like mm-hmm. aircraft that they got, um, which is it's it's got a proboscis that is a gun. That is a proboscis. Yeah, I really like the designs of everything. The designs are incredible. Like what a comic! You don't necessarily see a, a whole like great view of it. You mostly just see the claws and the tentacles going mm. forward. But like, like this in, seems in to this be like a panel, mouth because like, these eyes on stocks, yeah, like or ears that are eyes, and then like this looks like a mouthful kind of piece. I was wondering with all of the domes that you could see at the end of the last issue mm-hmm. like, are those like an eye or something because we know they have eyes in the middle of them we do that know that see down into the town mm-hmm. but in this first panel what it looks like is that this thing is like a shellfish or a crab of some kind yeah yeah and see that. like there, it's got this like main shell piece and then coming off of that are where all these dooms are and before it would have been buried except for the main doom mm-hmm. which takes up the majority of its back these are the buds that they talked about that it'll bud off and they'll yeah. go colonize eventually but they are engaged in combat with the Bellerophon and uh... the first thing that happens so there's some talk about what's going on you know mm-hmm. like they're engaging the first thing that the kaiju doom does mm. is click its claws together like that one crab from under the sea <laughs> And it makes like an airburst attack. That might, yeah, it might it, be what it's doing. This kind of has a project. It has like an energy web. Like, like it's not quite like a beam that clicks out of it, but like there's like a sonic boom mm. that happens around the claw. Yeah. And then there's like some gush of air that's coming out, and I think the ship's dodging it. Or just uh, what keeps making noise? Something keeps beeping. I thought I'd turn that off. Sorry, guys. Cut around this, Stop everyone. Musclot. So it's making an airburst attack like that one crab from under the sea that I love, and I assume the entire planet loves mm. when they find out about it because yeah. it makes a air blast hotter than the sun or something like that. Yeah, I think we found out it's not actually hotter than the sun. No, but, but it like, like it's super hot yeah. from under the water, and that's the first like that's the first thing basically. Like there's a, a shot of what's happening. There's some reactions from the characters, and well, then the, the, rea- first... the reactions around that are very good because mm. they're asking the scientists like, "Why is that?" And he says, like, it's a, it's a wonder, a miracle, a glorious riot of biology. Yeah. yeah. It's a cryptid colossus. And he's like, I've heard about them, but I didn't think they were real. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that was, like, fantastic 50s B-movie yes. flavor. So the Captain of Bellerophon is, is basically saying, like, oh, chase the, the dragonfly mm. plane, actually. Yeah, just, just, just fly away from this thing. Like. Uh, and then the claws claw opens and um, a, a bunch of tentacles just come out and like latch on to like, one of the edges of the Blairathon. And, and, and there's, some, there's some great Star Trek wobbling oh, about work. Yeah, but before, because like, we'll get to the Star Trek wobbling about because I have things to say about that. Mm-hmm. The, fir- the panel of it attacking the airship, it attacks the front bits of it. Yep. And I was calling out before that like this would be a great thing to launch Gundams from. Yep. And it does have launchy bits. It does go- have launchy bits. And we later hear why it's got launchy bits because, and I'm getting ahead of myself mm-hmm. here, um, after this is resolved, they're like, launch the fighters to go and chase down that dragonfly thing. Yeah. And the other people on the on board the Bellerophon's bridge are like, well, sorry, we can't really do that because the runways have been destroyed yeah. and all the fighters are now out of commission. Everything all off. Yeah. The, the Star Trek wobble, like there's a scene of like the computers, like the, the comms panels and everything exploding because it's being grappled by a kaiju. And the captain, who is on a special chair away from everybody else, is like, oh no! I'm, I'm 
lean acting like the best of them. And like grabbing onto the armrest. Like no seat belts or anything there. I mean like why would you expect so to? So fucking good. You're never going to expect to get like clawed by a kaiju in your little airship. There's another panel later on that is the same thing. And mm. just, uh, because it's also like a Dutch angle on it, which yeah. I guess is the same technique they've used in Star Trek. Absolutely. I'm, su- show, I'm but... surprised there isn't like rocks and things flying at them because <laughs> that's what they do in Star Trek. Um, but this also shows something with, from our heroes mm-hmm. that I am really appreciative of. Oh, see, I was less appreciative of this, but I understand. Yeah, because they're trying to get away, and like the monster is, is attacking the Bellerophon, and they could absolutely just get away. Mm-hmm. But Hodges is like, I mean, how many people are on that ship, though? And they're like, oh, it'll be hundreds. And mm-hmm. it's like, right, I'm going to do something extremely stupid. Yeah. And I like that for a lot of reasons. It's it's really good protagonist work. Yeah. I'll give her that. Like It's good protagonist work and it's good to make your, your cast likeable. The problem is... I would say in particular it gets a lot of Superman points for me. A lot of Superman points. Superman doesn't just want to win. Superman wants everybody to be alive. Yeah, he's so. to save everyone. And yeah. it's, it's really good and really heroic. The problem is I'm they've, they've done such a good job of making me attached to the kaiju. Mm. So any... Because, like, they, they go back. Like, they, they double back in their little flyer ship. They do, and they shoot the kaiju, but, in fairness, they only shoot the tentacles. And they do make a point of saying, like, oh, there's, like, our, our little pea shooter gun won't... Yeah. I think they, they do talk about, like, shooting its eyes, though, and shit. Like, they have to hit, hit it where it'll hurt. Yeah, they shoot in its little eye stalks. Yeah, shoot in its face. Yeah. yeah. So, like, this was... This is a good beat, but I am so attached to the kaiju that I was really sad during this. That I was like really frowny reading this. I, I like, thought oh, no. what you were going to say is like, fuck that ship. They were going to bombard that town. I'm going to get to that. Yeah. Because like I'm really attached to the kaiju and everyone on that fucking ship could die. I know it's a military hierarchy and mm. like everyone on that ship probably isn't like well into like, we'll kill you if, even if you do hand us over they the They are guys. all being threatened from the top down by the master saying that they'll kill their family. They'll disappear their entire... Yeah. yeah. I get it. But they did, the captain was like, we will open fire. And like, it, it's very close to the bone and a lot of things are happening. Yeah. And to then have... We the... don't know when this would have been written. No, no, I think it's just prescient. I don't yeah. think it's like, you know, written to be topical. It's cool though. Like the little dragon fire ship fighting the kind, lovely imagery, like great stuff. It's just, it's genuinely sad reading this comic that they tur- like, turned on our boy. Uh, you'll be fine though. The only thing that can make this great, right? Is if the kaiju turns up much later for like a big sake. I was like, oh, how are we going to get out of this one? And then like the kaiju like rears into like view and like helps them, even though they shot it. Uh, if anybody listening is interested in doing some fan art, maybe you could do like a scene post everything happening of the cryptid colossus hanging out like after the fact with that polar bear, <sighs> just talking like, about how they got away. The kaiju is more of a character than that polar bear. <laughs> like, like I know this is a theme for me where I'm like, no, I like the animal. That, like this shouldn't be hurting the animal. But I to to my credit, mm-hmm. I fucking loved when that polar bear got shot in the arm. Yeah. But that isn't the same feeling I'm having here. I'm like, oh no, don't shoot it in its eyes. Yeah, but it will be fine. It's got burrito eyes. It's a kaiju. It'll it, yeah, be, it'll be fine. I mean, like, it'll probably regenerate its eyes or something. It, it looks like a shellfish. It, it's entirely fine, but they, they specifically call out, shoot it in its, like, tired looking yeah. eyes. They, they shoot it in the eyes because they try shooting it in tentacles and it's, like, too thick skinned yeah. to even notice the gun hitting the, the tentacles. I also particularly like. I'm going to do something extremely stupid. Mm. That is like, that's a really good hero line to me. I don't know if that's just like... I like Hodges. Like, Hodges is cool. Yeah. Just like the the sort of like, umming and on like, should we go and save the bad guys? Yeah. We probably shouldn't. But I'm going to do it, even though I think it's extremely stupid. It is a thing that you see, and it's like a thing that you can have, your mileage may vary on it. 
I'm very varied on it here because of just how lovely the kaiju is mm. and how much of it. Because like, it's been a roller coaster of a ride. I was like, yeah. oh, they probably sacrificed their young to, and <laughs> and here I am, genuinely upset that it's getting shot in the eyes. You'd quite happily sacrifice the hundred people on board Bellerophon to it. Probably would, as it turns out. But they're not our young. Shooting it in the eyes means that the tentacles do get away, and this is where we get the scene of uh, Captain, your orders, and it's like, mount to pursuit, launch all of the fighters! And then they're like, well, we, we can't actually, because mm-hmm. it took out all of our fighters. And then she's like, right! Full speed ahead, then! <laughs> Just, we'll have to do it ourselves! I know, like, right. I've talked about Gundam before, yeah. and, I, and I, I did talk about Jeff Kurtzman, I know, like, no one will get her references, but, yeah. like, look how upset that the captain... She looks like the Zeta Gundam has been stolen from her for the <laughs> third time this week. Uh, she does look a bit p- pissed off that they can't launch the fighters, but that's the panel where she's like, it's up to us, then. Launching the fighters would be one of the happiest joys I would have as an airship captain. Mm. It would just be, like, every day I'd be like, launch the fighters, and everybody, my lieutenant would be like, we don't need to launch the fighters. Like, There's nothing for them to fight, Greg. I'd be, like, leaning in and be like, launch the fighters. <laughs> That's where we leave off on the comic. The the good guys are trying to get away, and the Bellerophon is going with like speed line clouds zooming after it to show that it's in hot pursuits. I might have to buy the trade of this when this comes it's out. It's really good, isn't it? It's really good. The colours are incredible. Like just look at those tentacles. This is one of the best like action scene issues of anything in 2000 mm. AD that we've had while we've been doing this podcast. It's and it's very it's, good. It's had seven weeks of just chilling in a town where like normally I'd get a little bit angry about that, but here I'm just like. That's great. Like yeah. I've had a lovely time. I don't want to leave, but you know, if I have to leave, I guess I'll leave in a dragonfly-shaped ship. Yeah, uh, I am going to have a hard time picking what's my favourite comic of this prog, and that tells you how good something mm-hmm. else is going to be. Okay. Okay. Uh, anything else? Uh, read 2080 so you can read helium. I, I agree. Third is The Devil's Railroad Part 8, script by Peter Mulligan, art by Rufus Daglow, colours by Jose Villarubia, and letters by Jim Campbell. We don't quite have the same formula here of a weird thing on the first page, uh-huh. but we well, do have I something think, a little bit out of place. I think there is a weird thing on this first page. It's not necessarily in the zone that you've declared yeah. as the place where they fuck you over every week. Yeah. But um, the first image, and again, I've called this out before, they keep doing this every first page, here's what our comic is about, because yeah. this might be the first two cat that you're reading. Uh, in here, we've got the framing device of it being a message that is being sent to Palamon's future child mm. uh, when they're able to read it. And it's saying, like, don't forget that you're from Diaspora X167. Mm. And, you know, it was such a nice place, but we had to go so that you'd have all of your Earth rights. Mm. So, like, it's, it's a good, nice, neat way to fit it it's in. It's very, and it's a good piece of art. Well, I say it's a good piece of art. It is the most sinister mm. we've seen Palamon looking this he, entire comic. He, he, is, he is leaning over Constance and they're both, like, he's cupping Constance's hands and mm. they're both cupping around this, like, artist's, like, what is it called? Poetic license. Poetic license. Of the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So what it looks like, what it literally is in the artwork, yeah. is, like, a glowing bright light in between all of their hands that has a fetus hovering within it. It has a fetus hovering within it and it's very star childy. Yeah. But not only that, Constance is like looking off to the sides, being like, "Oh, I don't feel great about this." And then Palamon, Palamon is leering down, looking at this baby like the face of the devil from that last cover that was the Devil's Real. Kind of it kind of is the same composition as the yeah. devil, isn't it? And not because the, the devil was gripping a son. Mm-hmm. Mm. And 
oh themes oh the rich themes and it and also like he's cuffing her hands and he's, he's showing his one robot hand like he's yeah. Darth fucking like Anakin Skywalker with his robot hand and he's got like tubes he's getting more and more mechanical like he's got tubes going into I him I think as well. he always had some tubes but it feels very highlighted here on this yeah not only that behind Palamon there's just some skulls some skulls yeah looks great I'm <laughs> not sure if it's good but it's it's, it's, it's it's a nice piece of artwork. I really like I would have that on my wall and I would just walk by it, but past it every morning and just questioning it. <laughs> what was the intention here? Because like, like, I know from the words that it's just like a little recap thing, but... It's did, maybe just supposed to be him smiling at his baby, but like because feel, the baby is casting bright light, <laughs> he's like lit from beneath, so it's that like scary lighting look that... <laughs> I feel like he's like looking past it as well, like the eye line, like like he's just maniacally looking off into the. He's like, yes, with the baby, I can control the star. <laughs> like he gives me weirdly like Doctor Doom energy, not necessarily yeah. just just the weird placing of it and things. Uh, another thing I'll call out is that this goes on to be like maybe it's what's going through his head while he's having ten percent of his soul taken. <laughs> yeah, from that him. is happening currently because this goes on to be the scene where he's like having his soul chipped off mm-hmm. and uh, so that he can afford to get to Earth. And that's also part of the message that he's sending to the child is like, oh, what was I doing at this point? I was, you know, sacrificing my soul yeah. so that we could have this life. Another thing, though. Uh, when he's talking about how they're going to Earth, he's talking about how they have strange yet harmless religious practices. And in that panel, they've got cricket. Yeah. People playing cricket. An alien and a people playing cricket. Is it an alien? Yeah, one of them is green. Okay. He's a green man. Uh, I just... That reminds me of a joke from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. yeah. And, and also it's cricket in the section where you always get fucked over by... It's off to the side, but yeah. It's, it's in the panel bits it's in the lower quadrant at the bottom of the first page we've just got like palamon being electrocuted and his pink skeleton is showing through and you can still see his eyeballs on his skeleton which yeah. is quite a, quite an image that's that first page quite quite a rise i would like to, i i think we we need to probably record like further sexual assault um Maybe. warning because like it it, it it both doesn't go as bad yeah. as last time but there's, there was bits in this comic when I was reading it last night. There, there are also kind of other issues that get brought into it as well. Yeah, where I was I was wincing. Yeah. There's some dialogue where I'm like, Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And I should probably have noted down exactly what that was, because mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure that I can remember. I'll try and call it out as mm-hmm. we go through. We cut away from Palawan on the mm-hmm. second page, and back to Constance, who, if you recall, is on the motorbike, the flying motorbike, with Joey White. Whatever, if that's his name, the lead, I, Isaac White, the one la- of them. One of them's the good brother who's dead. Yeah, with the one who's not dead, mm. and he's he's bringing her in to the mothership to meet Sister White and being like hit, hit Sister White, who is the mother. Yeah, yeah, and being like, uh, like remember she's psychic. So if you, I really like that she's psychic. It's she definitely wasn't in her first mm. appearance though. Like that I, really I, seems like it's just a. Making things up as you go. I like that though. I think that suits this. I think that's fun. I think it suits it. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if it's necessarily good. But yeah, so of course, Constance is like, I'd better not think about how my husband that I have murdered her favourite son then. Yeah. Should I I read it out? Yeah, it's it's horrible. Oh god, yeah. I I very much winced when I read this. Yeah. So one of the first things that, uh, that he says to her... So Constance says, do I really have to see your mother Isaac? We hardly know each other. Which is very true. Yeah, we just met. Isaac White, 
what are you doing? Because you're taking this woman that you've literally just picked up out of a crowd mm-hmm. of people that you're people trafficking, thrown her to her death, yeah. thought better of it, picked her up again, and then been like, oh, I'll go and take you to meet my mother because we're going to be... I You you have trouble with this. What? But I, that is like cartoon logic. Like, I could see this being like a threat in like the Ace Ventura cartoon or like you know, like a '90s cartoon that's like a, a like like you know they're just making things up and they're just going. Mm. And it's like oh, you know, he's like a space gangster and he's got a mother and like oh, what do you do? You take your girlfriend to see your mum? Like like I, it it doesn't. I don't question it on any level. As, as you're you're questioning it, I it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, but it's like a comedy bit. Mm. Like I, what's not funny though mm-hmm. is what uh, he says responding to that. You know, we hardly know each other because he says and uh, like I'll, I'll reiterate the like content warning feel free to skip forward 10 seconds we'll probably put a clip in later um he says but we're going to we're going to know each other uh, know each other very well i'm going to be on intimate terms with every centimeter of your epidermis yeah which i was like already i was like Ugh. and i'll also have a pretty good rapport with several of your internal organs the dialogue has not been that hard since... Like, it's not been going that big since the, I, start, the strip started. I don't know if I've ever heard that put in a creepier way. That's awful. It's awful, right? But he is a baddie. Yeah. It, it's good villain dialogue. It might be too... It might be going too hard. Too hard, I would it say. It might be going too hard. Especially if, like, there's potentially a world where, like... Look, sister White's killed, and then this guy's on side because his mum shocks him. Like, like I don't, I don't think it'll go there. But like, y- y- you know what I mean? Like, the, the, well, actually, there are bets in in this particular issue where like he's like they're 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 playing sympathy for him mm-hmm. later on because of the like how badly he is yeah. by sister White. So like, it's it's like things like that that I'll always remember that he said. Yep. So like, I think I don't think it's necessarily a mistake because like right now he's a villain and we're meant to think he's horrible and he is horrible. He's a space gangster that's trafficking people. But, ah! Yeah, that's... Uh, it's good writing, but I, it, it's so good that I'm upset. I didn't like reading that. Yeah. Anyway. It's doing what it's meant to do. Sister White turns up and shocks him. Sister uh, White turns up looking more like Mojo from the X-Men than she did previously. Well, so she's I, got robot spider legs like the bad guy from Wild Wild West. We're bringing up a lot of things. This is, <laughs> I like Wild Wild West. I like Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West is a good time. It's it's kind of bad, but it's really good. It's far from the worst film that Will Smith has ever made. Oh, that's probably true, yeah. Mm-hmm. She sh- shocks her son for answering back uh, because... Sister White turns up and is immediately like, oh, is this another... Yes, she does use the word whore. She does. Okay. Uh, that opened her legs to jump the queue. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, no, she's not like that. And then she shocks him. Uh, and then she's like, all right, then is anyone hungry? And then I think this is supposed to be a joke where Constance is like, yes, I'm hungry, I'm starving. Because, yeah. you know, she's a refugee. But then after that, she's like, I seem to have lost my appetite. And she's, like, surrounded by pots here mm. that presumably are supposed to be disgusting food. But it could just be space food. Like, some of them look like noodles. But, like, it's not presented... Like, the, the, the focus of this frame is largely Sister White. Mm. She's taking up roughly 40% of the page. Is she saying anything in the dialogue that conveys what uh, they are? I'm picking up something you're not telling me. This is part of the whole uh, psychic plot. Are they dog bowls? Like, is, is it like she insulting her by calling her a dog? Because they're, they're cause it they're... just seems like there's a disconnect between what the joke is supposed to be in that particular panel mm. because like the least presented thing in that is the food yeah and I would eat it the whole thing about the food it might might as well not be there mm. 
But uh, we've then got most of the page is Sister White trying to read Constance's mind and like she's like, oh, I need to think about anything else. So most of the page is taken up by like cartoon things. That one strawberry guy reminds me of a mascot of something, like a yogurt mascot or like... Yeah, I think it's a raspberry. Raspberry, sorry, sorry. In one part of the page, there's just like a little corner of the other son lying dead. Other son. Yeah. And Sister White's like, what was this? I thought I picked up on something there. Mm. I like, like, I've seen a lot of, like, psychic stuff in comics, especially in X-Men, mm. where it's, it's not very interesting or fun. And I like this page. It read well as, like, a psychic, like, assault this kind of thing. It's a good piece of art page. Yeah. It's a good way of conveying what the psychic, like, what a psychic defense would be, yeah. where you're just trying to, like, flip it out with noise of other stuff. And, like, I like Sister White being like... I, th- I think I saw something. Yeah. I-, I reckon that Just I saw. Like, Hold on, wait a minute. What was that? Yeah. There was a frame of something in there. Yeah. But then Constance has the uh, presence of mind to say, "Okay, I confess, I am hiding something. I'm pregnant." <laughs> it's a good panel, right? It's a good like shock. Yeah. What happens here? I think that Sister it's, White it, assumes that it's um, the the son Isaac's or Joey or whichever fucking one he is. And it's it's, but, it's clear that it's another man. Yeah, because they've just they're, met. They're, they're like, oh, but uh, like you know, you had another man, and then she's like, well, you could see we're dot 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 separated. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, then the other thing that needs a content warning comes up because there's there's a whole scene of like. Forced abortion here. Forced abortion. And, like, it's it's played for laughs, kind of? I would say not. Because, like, the, it, it's like a... I keep saying this is a comedy strip, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a comedy strip, but these people are monsters. Yeah. And, like, it's it's like a test as well. Like, well, it's like... Because Sister White is saying, oh, so you wanted to, like, get with my son in order mm-hmm. to, like, get all of his money or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you were trying to, like, smuggle your fucking, like, other man's baby into, yeah, into yeah, yeah. the equation. Well, you know, you can fuck off or, um, you know, you can test your loyalty. I've got I've got an abortion pod here. Yeah, which just... I would have used if I knew how this one would turn out. Yeah, like... which is a horrible fucking... But they anyway. are, they are monsters. Like, I, I don't take this as, like, the, the writers of the artist being bad. The, these are villainous things that the villains are doing and saying. This and like, is an example of something which I've complained about in other things before, where, like, she just has an abortion pod? Yeah. Why does she just have an abortion pod? Why does she have one to hand right now? If this was a cartoon, it would have come out of the wall or something. Yeah. Like, but, like, they just turn around and it's there. It also has a whole thing about oh, how it's she's got saying, some implements in there that it, I didn't notice well, last it, night. It, it does, yeah. But, like, I also there's a thing in the dialogue where she's saying not only will it do an abortion, mm. it will, like, inject you with drugs to make you forget so that you were ever pregnant. Yeah, like, it's a guilt-free kind of thing. Yeah, it, 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 it potentially has, like, implications around it. And, like, Constance has, like, a, like, I'm sure there's, like, many reasons why, like, many good reasons why someone would use it. Yes, yeah. and to be clear, I think that we should defend um, the writer a little bit here because clearly the conclusion to all of this is women should have some say over whether or not they have to have an abortion. They should have all the they say. They should have all of the yeah. say because Constance says, I'm sure that there are many women with good reasons uh, for for terminating, mm. which is a good, you know, it's a good, he's, he's also saying that. He's covering himself. But I would rather die than lose my baby. Yeah. And then Sister Do- White's like, all right then. <laughs> yeah. Like, I... I think this is all shaky ground, right? Yeah. I think it's all shaky ground, but I think the the villains come off as bad guys and the hero comes off as a good guy. As, and at the same time, 
I am they not, aren't saying abortion is bad. I am not saying cancel Peter Mulligan and Rufus Day. No, no. Uh, but I am saying, like, you're maybe playing in some, some troubled waters here. Troubled waters and also, like, oh, God, you went hard this issue. Like, like, yeah. geez, oh. Um, but again, I've always been saying that they need to come off against obstacles in their journey. <laughs> I didn't think an abortion pod was one of those obstacles that was going to come up, but here we are. Yep. Uh, I have one other thing about this strip mm. that I am very offended by Ooh. for completely different reasons. Than usual, or just than this? Uh, not different from usual, <laughs> different from this. Okay, go on. do you know what happens at the end, Craig? She gets thrown... She gets taken by some drones and thrown to the back of the queue. Mm-hmm. Um, so which means that at the end of this strip, we have put Constance in the exact same situation that she was in before all of this thing happened with her going on the motorbike. Yes. We've returned entirely to... Square one. Square one. Yes and no. Because, yes, literally correct, but the stinger at the end of the strip is Sister White has Constance's phone. Yeah. And... Oh, true. Palmon has been thought-beaming all the things that have happened to him since. To her phone. To her phone, so including the, like, I killed Joey White, or whatever he was called. Yeah. Um, so, like, the plot is progressing, and also... Palmon will be further ahead mm. of Constance now. She'll have to walk the road again. And then um, then she'll have to go to the town where your soul gets... like you know, the, Yes, you're, you're right. I didn't think about that whilst reading it all. But I, I was... Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I didn't really enjoy this one, I have to say. Did you enjoy, right? There's this, this panel here where they're coming out of the soul exchange. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Palmon has deep dot eyes. He does. Are you saying that's because he's missing some of his soul? I'm hoping that stays. Uh, I will say that there's something on that panel I really enjoy, which is someone else, an alien, lying on the ground with a, a sign that says, Sold my soul for a sausage roll. Please it's a good help. gag. It's a very good gag. We should get that clipped and put on the Twitter, because yeah. I feel like people will react to that. This issue went really hard mm. for reasons I'm unclear on, and I, I liked it, but like I say, I did flinch during some of the dialogue. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how it goes going forward, I guess. And next up, we have Enemy Earth, Book 3, Part 1. Bit of a weird way to phrase it. Books are a big thing in these uh, type of things, though. Type of uh, toucan comics. Yeah. Uh, the script is by Cavan Scott. Probably mispronouncing that. Cavan. 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 It's like Gavin. Yeah, but it's not Gavin. It's no. definitely a C. Art is by Luke Horse- Horseman. I was going to say Horseman. I was going to say Luke Horseman there. Maybe Horseman is how you pronounce it. I don't know. Mm. And letters by Simon Boland. Boland! Should we talk about Enemy Earth? Let's do a preamble. Yeah. There's not a lot in the comic to give true, it away a little bit. True, it's, it's a bit more of an action-y one than, than a, some. It's a catch-up as well. Yeah. Um, Enemy Earth, we've already said, started in the Regent. Uh, the setting is that every living thing on the planet, including animals and plants, has become a monster. Mm-hmm. So um, the main character, who is called... Is she Izzy or something? What is her name? I don't know. I think I of her as main myself. character of Enemy Earth. She's Enemy Earth, right? Uh, she is not Enemy Earth. The Earth is the Enemy Earth. 
Yeah. Uh, Zoe. Zoe. Not Izzy. So it's kind of like an eco comic, but not like over a hat. Like it is. Yeah, it's it, definitely like, drawing from that. But it's not necessarily like, oh, we have to take care of. The-. Like it's not. Yeah. It's not in any way like pro green stuff. It's just that's the same. I think there's a bit of a suggestion, although it is only a suggestion. It's only a suggestion. So. That, like, something that humanity has done has turned the Earth against us. The the vibes I get are triffid. Mm, they're too long and they involve a lot of gassing of children. It's, yeah. It's like a triffid story. The events of the story. Zoe is a character who is surviving in this world. Mm-hmm. She found an underground bunker in which there was the son of the uh, Prime Minister of Great Britain mm-hmm. and a killer robot who was protecting him who is called Nanny. Oh, yeah. Nanny? Yep. Yeah. They left the bunker because monsters got in and uh, drove until they found a collection of people who turned out to be cannibals. See, when the cannibals turned up, that was good stuff. Yeah. Um, the cannibals... While Zoe was unconscious, uh, cut off and her arm, so she's only got one arm. A watershed moment yep. for comics that have come out of regens, I want to say. And nobody knew that that had happened until like Zoe woke up and they they had like food to eat, which means that Zoe has eaten her arm. Yep. Uh, although all of them presumably ate some part of her arm. Presumably. Uh, one of those cannibals survived the monster that came to like allow Zoe and the the son of the uh, prime minister to get away. Um, so and they they had a redemption arc. So that like they weirdly did. There, there's one of those cannibals that is still on the team now. Didn't she sacrifice herself? I think she's still there. I don't she remember. might have sacrificed herself. I was sleepy when I was reading this, but I think it's just the prime minister's son, uh, the the protagonist. And spoilers, the Prime Minister of Great Britain. Yeah. You know what? You might be right. I'm not seeing her I about... I vaguely remember... Th- didn't, didn't, they they did, were recently on an oil rig, and there were threats there which could have allowed I, her to, the opportunity to heroically sacrifice herself. I want to say that the, the Prime Minister's son, because he's gone wrong recently, Yeah, I want to say that he offed her in Ooh, the oil maybe. rig because she was a cat. Because, like, fair play to him. She was a unrepentant. Well, like, it's it's wrong to say unrepentant. She was like repentant about other things, mm-hmm. but she wasn't an unrepentant. She <laughs> she wasn't repentant about being a cannibal. Yeah, uh, and think- also key key thing here. I know, like, we shouldn't like you know put beauty and heroism together, but she was a cannibal that was like a two faced guy. She Not sh- while she was the like surprise cannibal, like that part of the story. She just looked like a person, but she she became well. Um, she she. It wasn't initially obvious that she'd survived the dangerous thing after that. Mm. So when she turned up later, half of her seemed to be melted. Yeah. She was and like also, a- Zoe progressively seems to look more and more zombieish. Yes. It, as it, this goes on, that seems to be very much a theme. Mm-hmm. And the, like, the, the kid, the son is turning into a monster thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got two more things to cover in what happened because they, that team, including the cannibal woman, like, went to go and look for the radio signal or something. Yeah. Which that's where they thought that the, the Prime Minister would be. They went to Scotland, which they we, did were, go to Scotland. we were very excited with, but I don't think they did much with. No, it was just another area. Yeah. There um, could have been it, giant... was, it was a far away place from London. Yeah. They could, um, they could have been done so much. Like, thistle monsters. Yeah, actually, but, now that you mention there, that. There might have been one, but, like, it wasn't 
fronted. You yeah, know? he wasn't like they found the prime minister, but he was like saving them from like he, he chopped through a monster with an axe. He's like an action man, prime minister. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he is his hair's gone wild because he's also been surviving in like the, mm. the the everything's a monster wasteland for all this time. It's quite. It's... And then he let them know that in order to solve the whole problem, they have to go to India, mm-hmm. where there's some kind of research base. So they spent the second part of the story going to India. Mm. Uh, this is them getting to India. This is them getting to India. The second part, they went to a oil rig. Eventually, they were on a boat. They, they went to the sea or they, something. Yeah. Yeah. I think they got attacked by a shark or something. Uh, Every that, issue is like a different mutated yeah. thing that comes at them. That that meant they had to go to the oil rig. The oil rig had like a cult on it or something that was worshipping a big squid monster. Oh, yeah, yeah. And during the course of that, the Prime Minister's son became part squid monster. Mm-hmm. So it was like a thing where he'd been infected with something before and like he's got a dark transformation now mm-hmm. where like he's become more powerful and they thought, oh no, he's become the monster, mm-hmm. uh, which is a thing that's happened to characters before. But he, as it turned out, retained his sanity and humanity. But there's a little bit of will here, won't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, I'm in two minds because I really like when characters that aren't superpowered get superpowers. Mm-hmm. And I like I like that that's a good gimmick for this strip. I like it when it is like a sidekick character, as mm-hmm. has been what's happened here, because yes. Zoe, Zoe is the main character. I'm not so much enamored with like because he's had a personality change from being like a little like he's got more aggressive, more aggressive. I'm pretty sure he off that cannibal. I, I, I vaguely remember there's been something. Yeah, about I'd that. need to go back and check. I need to check. But he, he's like his little shithead now. That's like gurring and like like take it he's like the wolverine on the team he's been like yeah he's, he's sort of been like the the violent one and i'm not necessarily into that but i do like that he's got powers and his silhouette often reminds me of the iron spider armor because mm. he's like he's like sort of dock hawking about <laughs> with like tentacles coming out of his back and his like little bodies in the middle good stuff very yeah. visually cool uh, i'm less impressed because it's it's difficult right because we don't know if his dad was a tory prime minister because this takes place in an world. He's not, like, visibly... So far, there is nothing to identify his political allegiance, no. No, but, like... he, I would say he is not supposed to be any particular politician um, of recent memory. No. He is, he is clearly... like Because, you know, sometimes you see a character and you're like, oh, that's David Cameron. Yeah. Or that's, you know, Liz Truss or something. But yeah. he's, he's not got any of that going I'm on. I'm pretty sure he predates Rishi Sunak as well. Yeah. Um, but he is the Prime Minister of Great Britain, or was the Prime Minister of Great Britain. And really, there's only so many choices that it can be. Mm-hmm. You can be the Tories, or you can be the other Tories. So, okay. I, I, not, well, that's maybe I, not I'm, quite so into I'm not going to get quite so into it, but I'm just, this is where I'm coming from with his character. It's, like, mm-hmm. it's not like he's going to be like a top lad. Like it's, if he was a top lad socialist Prime Minister, that's something they would call out. Uh, I in this comic, I don't know if it is because mm. remember this started off as a very much kids comic. Yes, and the only thing that is important is that he's the prime minister. Yes, so. but they have had their cannibal moment, mm-hmm. and I, the more it goes on, I feel like the more they can develop everything they've got. They they do have a character who was the prime minister. Like yeah, there's stuff to touch on there. He's not gone on a big tirade about how much he wants to cut taxes. So no, he like... wants he wants to cut triffids <laughs> with an axe. Yeah, yeah. But like that's what I'm saying. Like every time he does a cool thing, I'm like, oh yeah, but it's the prime minister. Like, like it's undercut for me. Okay, um, I, I don't know. It's not. I'm not. I'm not against it. It's just that's how I feel when I see him. I think it's just sort of a fun thing at this point, mm. where just like every time he does something action manny, I have a bit of like, oh yeah, he's the prime minister. This comic Weird. does have now the prime minister and monarchists in it. 
2018. Yeah. yeah. So, hmm. I, I think it's fine. They they did a strip back in the day about Tony Blair. Mm-hmm. He was like a cyborg because there was like a comic called Mac One, like in the 70s. Yeah. And then in 97 they did uh, Blair One and Satire, I imagine. That's all I have to say. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a few things to say about this comic. It's which, a good comic. Yeah. yeah, it is. Uh, we open on the plane that they were in crash landing into a jungle area. They're talking. They're basically talking through the whole like we were trying to get to um, to India on a plane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, she, they, we've got Zoe's perspective. She gets out of the plane. She might be the only one that we see alive in this part of the story because the rest of it's flashback. Mm. And she's like, uh, I, I knew something was like this was going to go as soon as we got on that damn plane. <laughs> and I'm like, no, before that, when I started uh, earlier, when I allowed myself to care. Yeah, she's. I, I like her until I, I read her thought bubbles. Because, like, she's pretty cool, but then she's all very, like, above it all, like, oh, I can't become emotionally attached to these people because. That's a zombie film thing, though. It's book three, get over yourself. <laughs> That was that was her character in book one. Yeah, that was that was like I'm not going to help you, child of the prime minister, because I'm only looking out for myself. Because yeah. otherwise we'll die. And in the course of like the first comic, yeah, she was like, you know, risking her I'm, life to save him. I'm pretty so. sure she left him in danger and then immediately came back in that first yeah. one as well. You might say that this is something of a character regression, but like you know, give her time. Oh yeah, this, it is a catch up, and yeah. it's like here's what our characters are in war. We then cut to earlier. Inside the plane, and um, Prime Minister's son, who is called Jules. Jules as well. Jules. I'm not going to... Jules is a bad name. Do you think so? For the Prime Minister's son, like, it's an accurate one, but it does rank up the Tory points, let me tell you. Mm. Uh, Jules. Jules is is sitting on another chair, looking like he's, like, having withdrawal or something. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it's the sort of thing where where Zoe's like, is this okay? Is he going to go full monster? It does look like some time has passed, because his hair has changed. Like, his hair's grown. Yeah, it's gotten gotten longer. He's wrapping himself in his tentacles again, like a teenager does. And the uh, the nanny death robot, who they still have, but only the head, mm. is uh, saying, observation, I am concerned about the young master's mental state. And Zoe's like, oh, you're not men- concerned about the mental state of the pilot. And it cuts to the Prime Minister looking fucking huge. Yeah, like, uh, did he look this huge before? He did not look this huge yeah. before. He has been hitting the gym between <laughs> runs of this comic. He's been hitting the gym, but also, like, he- this looks like, you know when they do, like, a a kids adventure version of like a live action property or like mm. a comic that wasn't for kids before and they give each other all the characters different body types yeah depending on what like he's the like, prim- like sonic boom like sonic boom mm. they've knucklesified the prime minister <laughs> of great britain so it cuts to him he's looking very scared and being like oh it's gonna be fine we're almost there mm-hmm. and again it makes me like him more that he's losing these marbles because mm-hmm. you know that's it's a very stressful situation. It's a, he's flying a plane. Yeah. His son is becoming some kind of triffid. <laughs> I think it's more the son being some kind of triffid that's, that's, that's causing him the He's issues. probably a dab hand at flying planes. Their plane is then attacked by a giant lightning eagle. It is a lightning eagle, isn't it? Uh, it might not be casting the lightning, but there is lightning going on around it. And I was thinking, because we have had things in this comic before where there's been like... There was like a fox that had mutated into a fox monster and it looked mm. like a Japanese QB. Mm. So I was thinking, is this supposed to be a Thunderbird, perhaps? Ooh. There was that Thunderbird th- 1? Yeah, there was Thunderbird that- 2? <laughs> Remembrance of the Daleks. 
It's definitely not Thunderbird 2 because it doesn't like spit out a smaller monster from its chest. It is green, Michael. It's got like green polyps on it. Mm. Um, its wings are kind of green, or that might just be the, the green lightning that's being cast. I don't know. We I, should I do say, have red, red green colour blindness, I should say. Again. I like to bring it up every time yeah. I can. I We should say that we should say that the bird, the eagle, is like many sizes bigger than the transporter plane they're yeah. on. Yeah, it's it's like at least twice the wingspan of the plane. Mm-hmm. Probably more like three times. Gargantuan. Yeah. There um, there was also the squid that was the big boss of the last arc, mm-hmm. which could be the kraken. So yeah. there's definitely a whole thing where it's like the monsters are like... Mythological. Monsters, but they're mutated versions of like actual animals. Earth creatures, yeah. yeah. Jules is like, I'll stop it, and rips the door off of the plane to look, get look, out at Look at him, he's, he's doing the stance, he's, he's Doc Ocking. He is very much looking like Doc Ock there. Um, so like the decompression, like blasts uh, Zoe out, but he catches her with a tentacle. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, it worked, didn't it? But then the uh, the, the bird's coming back uh, to, to harass them again. But unbeknownst to them, there is some guy in a suit on the ground shooting a rocket. Mm-hmm. And there's a pretty good like like combination of, of completely vertical panels here, where it's like cutting to the rocket and the guy firing it, and then the bird, and then the... Uh, reaction shot from Zoe and then the rocket again and then the bird like exploding because the rockets hit it. <laughs> and uh, we don't know yet whether the rocket was being shot at the plane or at the bird to protect the plane mm. but we do know that the plane is going to crash and Zoe, Zoe at least is going to be fine. Six tall vertical panels for the yeah. whole page so it's kind of like six splash pages split into... It's cool. Yeah. Um, is this one of the things that you wanted to talk about this week? Because it's certainly one of the things I wanted to talk about this week is that Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> he does have a pencil moustache. Yes, his pencil moustache. He's bald. He's got like a cut. He's got scars. He's wearing sort of military fatigue. He's got an X-shaped scar. Mm. Uh, I don't think that's Hitler. And this comic could be taken and turned to the Incredible if that's Hitler. If that's Hitler, like see if the origin of like the the trifification of the world is in 1945. Hitler put into operation a plan to like used the biology of the world against the allied nations and it somehow spiraled and he went into cryo sleep and now he's back. I'm setting myself up for a disappointment because he's probably not Hitler. But he's my- probably just some Indian like he, military man. Yeah, but he, he he very much looks like an old Hitler he, that you would see in something. Does, yeah. It's not just that he's got a pencil moustache, right? It's the thickness. <laughs> it's it's the blackness of that moustache. It's it's everything about the image. Apart from he doesn't have the haircut. But he's old. He is old. Yeah. It's the now, you know? Well, is it the now? Because like, when you brought up, is that Hitler? Because yeah. I mean, Hitler would be God knows how old if Hitler it's, was around now. It's the now. It's the now. People, well, had, people uh, had phones, right? Uh, that's what I was thinking. Because uh. I was thinking, like... Because this, this is a big thing when mm. you're trying to d- date media. Yeah. Is that apparently, like, the youth of today... Like think that things that I think are very modern are like clearly ancient because nobody's got a phone, mm-hmm. and I, I do look out out for that sometimes. So when you brought up like, is that Hitler? Yeah, uh, I hadn't thought about myself. I was thinking like, do I definitely know that this is the modern day? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about like because they, they have a big killer robot, mm-hmm. but that's like a fantasy piece of technology. I think other it's... than that, they're in a propeller plane. It is a propeller plane, but it's like I was thinking, looking at it, like is it an offspring, which is propeller driven and stuff. But yeah. um, but like I want to say, there's the, been... the fashion feels more recent, mm. but like there's nothing that's necessarily new. Like this kind of could be the sixties. 
It would be I, like the fancy 60s. Yeah, I, I'd have to go back and look at it. And yeah. the problem is, it's a very breezy comic. Yeah. And it's always been a very breezy comic, so I don't necessarily internalise a lot of its design work. Mm. Other than like, oh, that's a big squid. Um, the other thing is, he's like surrounded by critters. Like in the first panel, like there's a thing looking at him. There's like mm. a, a tentacle sort of curving around his foot. Presumably, he's got some amount of control over well, the. Uh, maybe not, because what I was going to say when you initially brought that up there is that I think that one of the criticisms that I might make of Enemy Earth is that they are inconsistent with quite how hostile all mm. of the plant life is. Yeah. Because there's sometimes where they're like, oh, we can't go there. It's covered in grass. And then there's other times where it's like, it's just grass. Grass is the deadliest enemy. Yeah. I like this comic. And the thing that I'll be bringing up time and time again is it's just a little bit too breezy. Yeah. And it, it's not necessarily anything that's doing that's at fault. It's just it's a very quick read. And I, I do put a lot of, like, I put a lot of merit. I, I like a toucan strip that is dense and you spend a lot of time reading. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of, it's an action comic, so it should be breezy. Yeah. But, like, uh, this comic, I read this toucan very quickly last night. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I kind of did as well. I, I'm surprised we've got as much out of it as we have, and I'm glad that we have. Because I was worried that we wouldn't have much to talk about other than, is that Hitler? Yeah. Um, I have something in particular to talk about now that we're talking about Enemy Earth for the first time. Mm-hmm. Which is, I really like the way that Enemy Earth has come on. Yeah. Uh, because I thought that when it was running in Regen the first time, it was a comic with a strong premise. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily that great art in particular. Mm. And it wasn't necessarily telling its story in the best way. I think I think it's still not the strongest thing in the problem. Oh yeah, sure. But like one of the reasons why I was calling out the panel layout on the last page Mm. is that that's got a lot more flair in it than it used to have Mm. earlier on. So I I think like it's it's definitely one for like most improved. I don't know if we've talked about this on air, but I've spoke to you in the past for sure that. I, I like the art. I like the designs. Mm-hmm. Like everything about the art. I just don't think that necessarily the like, panel layout and like they don't necessarily cram as much into a comic. No, but I think they're getting better. They're getting better, and that is that's one of the skills and things I think you need for two cards. Yeah. you've got five pages. You need to, to tell a complete, not necessarily a complete story, but like a like a worthwhile chunk yeah. of a story. And I wasn't getting that from previous books of Enemy Earth. I, I really enjoyed this, though. I think this was enough in terms of... Absolutely, yeah. I, I like it. I, I, like I say, it's probably not going to get my number one spot. No. But uh, I, I I really like Enemy Earth, and I like how it, you can see it progressing. Mm. And I'd be very interested to see what the comic this creative team does like next mm. is after mm. they've like honed their skills on Enemy Earth. Because that's very much the kind of feel that I get from I it. I think this Enemy Earth would do... Like, this team right now... Yeah. It would read a lot better as a twenty-two page American comic, mm. where like you just read it all. Like, like if if all of this book was, they do just like a comic. their big spectacular look at this thing panels. Yeah, yeah, which does take up a lot of like economy space for two kind. But yeah, we've got more. We've got one more strip to go after this, right? We do. So we we still have comic left. Should we move on? Okay. Sloggers exist. Nani? The comic that we're moving on to is Feral and Foe, Bad Goodsburg Part 9. Uh, script by Dan Abnett, art by Richard Elson, and letters by Jim Campbell. Jim Campbell? Yeah, Jim Campbell. It's probably been that one every time, but it's just, <laughs> it's just not Boland, is it? No. Well, that's not Boland. Uh, we open on the roving eye making its way towards uh, Bode, da- uh, Retchfinder Danica, and Mrs. Oftlack, all recoiling in terror at it. It's a really good roving yeah. eye. Uh, Bode's saying, like, don't look! And uh, and uh, Danica's saying, I can't not look! And 
Um, Should we say like for saying I can't move? So it's it's clearly like got a magical effect. So yeah. it's like if you're looking at it, you're paralyzed. You're glamoured. Um, in the panel after that's where you can like because there's a reverse shot of the eye, but then after that it's got like a little spidery leg, which looks to me like it's going to try and poke out Bode's eyes. It does look like it's going to do that. I can I could generate an entire D and D monster stat block just from how this thing behaves. Uh, that's what this comic is, yeah. and that's what it's for. The reason why I would have to generate it on basis of that is because on the very next panel it fucking explodes how do you feel about that because I like it but I could see you being disappointed I'm not disappointed Mm. but it did occur to me that this has happened quite a lot in Bad Goods this is the format introduce a pun monster then kill it in the the cliffhanger resolution the owl boar um, the isohedron Mm. the Mrs. Oftlack herself that that encounter with Mrs. Offlack, yeah. that like challenge uh, rating 12 or whatever. I, I feel like the Kin might have been another example, but I can't quite They, they got more, they, they, they did get dealt with, but they got yeah. more of a fight scene. But these are all instances of a monster or monsters or combat encounter that gets hyped up as being like the thing that the next issue yeah. is going to be about that are dealt with in exactly one punch or I, stab or whatever. I would prefer it if like each strip was about them dealing with a dumb pun monster. Mm. But I think I'm fine with this because they do have to fit in plot yeah. and characterization. I, I am fine with it, but it's it's probably the weakest thing about this Feral Info run. I, th- I think the more you look at it, the more you look at the Roven Eye, the yeah. more you notice that. We should say that the Roven Eye is like a huge fucking... Like, Monster-sized eye yeah. on spider, like meaty, hairy spider legs. Yeah, it's quite, it's it's quite the design. Uh, it's another one of these things that I think is quite clearly inspired by one of the weirder D and D monsters in particular. I think this is clearly supposed to be a take on the Beholder, mm-hmm. which is not quite just an eyeball, but it's a monster. The most of which is an eyeball. It's an eyeball monster, and it doesn't have spider legs, but it does have stalks coming off it with other eyes, mm. so that do things when they look at you. Uh, another thing that we should talk about is why it explodes, which is that it just gets shot in the back by Bar- Barbarian's big gun. Big gun, and then she says, "I want to say I noted this. I think the thing. I don't know if it's the dialogue that she immediately speaks, but you, you've called her as Cockney. Yeah, this um, is Cockney. I want to say she had a very northern reaction to. Yeah, she says that were an, a roving eye, which is more northern. Yeah. But yeah. That were a roving eye. <laughs> I quite like that Tusk says, nice shot, Anne. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, like it wasn't. She was kind of right behind it with her fucking cannon. Her blunderbuss. And she, she hit an eye the size of a small room, so, you know. <laughs> but, you know. Saved the party. She certainly did did quite a lot of damage with that shot. I like that Bode's like, the fuck? Like, he, he doesn't say fuck, but like he says F, and yeah. then there's dashes. Bode then goes on to be like, oh, those pages of that, that diary that I was trying to decode are covered in bits of eye now. They're, they're covered in bits of eye. We were all covered in bits of eye. There's like a gross-out page of the party being yeah. covered in eye bits. And Danica's like, save what you can. And it, like I was just imagining myself being Bode there being like, Save what? I, save what I can. Okay. Yep. Uh, I'll I'll do that then. I, I'll go through all of these gooey bits of of paper pulp. That it felt sure. like a bit of an anticlimax because like a couple of the strips have been about like we need these notes and you need to decipher them and then we've immediately lost them. Yeah. I do like uh, Jenny Joyce being like save what you can. That feels quite natural mm. for a character where she's at because she's on the team now and she's one of the lads she's not like ah save what you can she's like save, save what you can like oh, Jesus covered in bits yeah. like it's maybe a bit of like a your boss is a dick line but mm. also the immediate li- next line is 
where's the where's your friend yeah so she's showing concern for the team yeah, yeah. so she, you know she's I again she's I, w- so... I wouldn't be surprised if there was a heel turn from later where she like mm. does them all in to gain like go ahead with her like, get credit with her father or whatever mm-hmm. but I would be disappointed yeah Tusk tells her that uh, Wraith Child was with them but ran off after a mysterious other long Evie and we'd have liked to kept up with them but they're fucking elves yeah they're very fast and very agile and then we get the next page, which is one of the things that I was saying that I would like, that I'm excited to talk about because this is my favorite page since Phyllis. Really? Yeah, I really like this. So what Phyllis got... is big, big boots to fill. Yeah. Um, so the page I'm talking about is a, a whole page spread of the fight between Wraith Child and the uh, the other Long Evie, who we go on to learn has another name. I think it's a, it's oh, a pun. It is a pun. It is, it's porcelain, but it's like is it porcelain, porcelain or something? Uh, perhaps with child. Sorry, I'm skipping ahead. We um, need to get we, like when we see a pun, we need to like lock it down. Porcelain, porcelain. Yeah, but she's porcelain. And she's got like a mask on, and like presumably that's porcelain. It's but, like a porcelain mask. Yeah. yeah. But I really respect that because naming people is like the hardest fucking thing. Yeah. And if you've got a pun, and you can just do it. If you're like, is Barbarian too dumb of a name to name my Barbarian character? No. No, it's not. No, no it's not. Get it in there. Get it in there. And the more you say it, and the more <laughs> she appears, the more... Oh, she's eight foot tall. Oh, she's Barbarian. Everything about her. Incredible. <laughs> but why I like this comics, this panel so much, because it's just one page. It's one page spread. But it's that technique that I think I've talked about on the podcast mm. before, about how we've got multiple instances of the characters to show how they're moving through one environment. And it's really good work of you can see how the swords are going. Like, it's it's the best sword fight that I think I've seen in comics mm. for quite a long time. Okay. Like, you can see them countering each other. They're doing the Marvel method of just having a conversation while they're fighting. Well, they're elves, you know. They're, they're good, they've got good hand-eye coordination. And, like, you can follow how they're, like, jumping about because of, like, where they're facing, which also tells you which word bubble to read next. Yeah, there's some directional devices in there. It's really good. Um, it's also just good shit talking because uh, Ray Charles is saying like, "Oh, you're you're good," and then poor Selden's like, "Of course," and then Ray Charles says, "Oh, you're modest too, eh?" And then she's like, "Merely honest." I th- I didn't like I didn't have a big reaction to this, and I'm glad you did. Mm. Um, I was a bit disappointed because I was like, oh, "I don't want more of this fight. I want like chatty." I mean, you get more chatty stuff, but yeah. Um, I have. I'm coming to realize I have. I'm an orc, right? I, I've, I've always <laughs> known I'm an orc, but. When I was seeing these two elves doing elves things, I was just I was just like in orc mode or goblin mode. I was like just sitting in the corner, like picking my nose, being like elves, like oh <laughs> slippery elves, like oh like elven nonsense. I mean, the like, elven just nonsense is leaping through the air and like hacking swords and deflecting. They just don't fight properly, Michael. <laughs> Uh, I really like the fight. It's one of my like standout top fights in Western comics. Okay, okay. Um, I can I can take in what you're saying, and I can I can accept that. I'm not against it, but as an orc, I'm just like no. It, it's fine if you disagree, but let mm. me tell you about why I, like I don't think it so I disagree. I, it just doesn't affect me the same way. Okay, but. After this one page, which is a fantastic page, mm. we then go on to have another page of like more pa- more than one panel per page. I'm just going to say I like Porcelain's balls. Uh, yes, she does have balls coming out of her hair. She's, this... she's got like dreadlocks or braids that end in like 
steel balls. Mm-hmm. Does she whack anyone? Does she like use them as a weapon at some point? Because um, they don't look that dangerous in these panels. But in the next page, there's some um, foreshortening work that makes them look like they could just whap around and oh, smack yeah, a guy. Absolutely, you could. You could definitely, and I assume they probably will incorporate that into a fight later right? on. You'd hope. Uh, in particular, I think that would be quite good for disarming someone mm, else because mm. you could just like do it like like sling a lamp around the sword and you just yank your head back and the sword. Anyway, yeah. What actually happens is they're engaged in this sword duel and Rafe like gets the sword like directly under Porcelain's uh, throat. Porcelain. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not porcelain. It's por- porcelain. Porcelain is what I'm going to be calling her. Porcelain. And uh, and she and she's like you know kind of do you yield kind of thing uh, or like you, we can start talking or like I can take your head off. But mm-hmm. then porcelain's like, well, I would be taking you with me because mm-hmm. it shows that like from another angle, she's also got her sword point like directly into where Wraith's heart would be. I really like this because the, then they're like, right, I see a bit of an impasse. Yes, yeah. um, shall we? Shall, on the count of three, shall we? Should we just... Yeah. yeah. They, they, they literally say, like, okay, on the count of three, then. And then, on the next panel, they bow. Yeah. I really like it. It's now, so good. It is good elf work, I'll give you that. Honourable yeah. warriors. Um, so, they, they bow, and then they're like, well, let's actually have a have a talk, then. And uh, Wraith, like, tells, like, um, I'm also a long Eevee, actually. I, I was, like trained to be a long Eevee sword mistress before I became part of the Dark Elves. Yeah, I wanted to confront you on this because yeah. I assumed their fight was over like this one, the Porcelain is not a Dark Elf mm-hmm. and our Wraith, Wrathchild Wraithchild is and I thought that's what the fight was it over. It is Wrathchild but it's hard not to say Wraithchild. Wraithchild. And, um, but she's like, oh I took you for like a feral or something so yeah. are, are they like feral elves? There might be feral elves. Yeah. Um, that's, a co- that's a concept that makes me like elves better. <laughs> and maybe that means like they're wood elves, but like I'm picturing more like caveman elves. Uh, I don't know, I've not seen them. I've mm. read that first comic which had Wraith Child's backstory people in it, and they were like very dark elfy. Mm. They, they were called the um, the Nitriarchy or something. The Nitriarchy. Yeah, it wasn't the Nit- Nit- Nitriarchy, but it was like the Matriarchy. Night with evil. a K. No, it, it, had a, it had a pun name. I think she might say something about them in this comic. Mm. Um, but anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to go and... No, but like this yet. is like a exposition fight where they're, yeah. they're saying like, well, actually, I'm, I'm not the thing that you think I am, and we're superheroes, and we should be on the same side fighting the same bad guys. The Nocturnity. Ah, the Nocturnity. Yeah. Uh, and they were saying, like, oh, come and join us and we'll start the war again. Yeah. And so she decided, no, actually, I'd prefer to yeah, I'd prefer to work for the people that I hate yeah. rather than start up a war that kills us all again. Which is news to Porcelain, because, yeah. like, Rathchild's like, oh, I'm here on writ. Like, I'm, I'm here to, like, exterminate this dungeon. And well, um, Porcelain says, are, are you on a writ after mm. they make their introductions? And Rathchild says, for my sins. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Good dialogue. Like, Good dialogue. I feel like they're... they're, they're their chemistry, their dynamic. Mm-hmm. She says, "I want to thank you for saving us from the icosahedron." And then she's like, "Oh, it's, you know, fine. I'm I'm here to end the curse on Goodsburg." And then they're they're like, "Oh, funny that we're doing the same thing. Shall we do the same thing together?" I right, complex emotional feelings mm-hmm. here. As an orc, as an orc and or goblin, goblins are afraid of elves because they smell. Warhammer fantasy, well. yeah. But I both like and dislike this because. The idea that this is like a power-up for the team, where not only do they have one elf on the team, they've got two elves I on mean, the team. is it that, or is it that one of those humans that got killed by the Ecosedron was a player, and they've rolled up a new character? Oh, for sure, for sure it's that. Yeah. Like, like that. But, like, 
it might translate into them being a more effective team because they have two elves. Mm. I do, I do recognise elves are just better than everyone because they've got better stats and they're, they're like functionally immortal, that kind of thing. I mean, if we're coming from a D and D perspective, no, they're not. I get quite annoyed at how many people play elf fighters because they're not really made up to be fighters. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the whole thing. general fantasy thing, though. That like elves are high and mighty. In and... the fiction, yes, yeah. elves are just better, but in game terms, they're usually not really. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's. Valid, but like as an orc, that's where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm like mm, smelly orc, smelly orcs, smelly elves. I bet like, orcs do smell pretty. Bad. Oh god, well they smell of mushrooms. Yeah. Um, whatever mushrooms smell. What does mushrooms smell like? That's an odd concept to tack onto the end of your podcast. I'm having existential dread <laughs> at the smell of mushrooms. I think they smell like mold. Maybe. Oh, like what do mushrooms? Right Mush- in. I mean, mushrooms smell like mushrooms. But what do mushrooms smell like? <laughs> right in, listeners. It's a call to action. Uh, if you're just going to go into your little mind palace about that... Uh, I'm going to go struggle with it yeah. for the rest of my days, I think. Poor, poor Selen's last line of the comic is saying that uh, she she fears that they're too late because nothing can save the city now. Mm. So she's a mysterious character who's going to bring some information now that she's not hostile to the team. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what that is, is she, next time. Is she blind? Because uh, she's got a mask on. Is, and the col- eyes of the mask are the same colour as the mask. So is it... a completely obscuring her eyes yeah like it's also cracked in a way so you can just see like a part of her mouth yeah so you can see that she's like an elf yeah but like does this mean she did that sword fight completely blind blind. yeah maybe i I didn't necessarily think about that but now that you're saying it yeah because the like the the metal color is on the eyeballs yeah i didn't get that from the last strip i don't know if there was a close-up enough for it but I think she's really cool. She's I really like cool. her look. She's a Green Ranger who's also Daredevil, apparently. Yeah. I, I think I mentioned during Helium, I'm going to have a hard time picking what my favourite comic is because there's. I, I think that overall, Helium had the best action like scene. It had that kaiju. It had that kaiju. There's individual parts of this, which is largely just another action scene comic. Well, I, I think I might like better. When we come to when we come to ranking it, I'll go first, even though I might have gone first last week. So I'll give you some time to think. Sure, can't remember really. I'd like to cover, if you will, the ads on the back. The the one on the back cover. No, the one on the inside. Back the one cover. on the inside back cover. Okay. The one on the back cover is for a thing that I don't know that you might like. Some I'll I'll just mention it. The Trigon Empire. I've it, heard those words in that order and I hear they're a big deal. Looks like it's a 2080.com shop thing. Mm-hmm. But the company you actually want to talk about is... So this is a binder that you can get for your two cats. Mm-hmm. And it's a containment unit, I think they call it. And uh, you, it comes with a lovely design that was... A thrill the, power containment unit. A thrill power containment unit. Uh, I've had questions about this that I could probably easily answer by Googling it. I uh, have stopped Googling and will now only rely on... You'll only receive information through listener feedback. Listener feedback. That This is the life that I want to live. Listeners, if you've got one of these or if you've seen one of these about, can you explain to me how it works? Do I have to punch a hole in my two... Ca- is it a binder? Oh, I can't imagine they're going to have... I can't, but how does it work? Like, is it like sleeves? Like It might just be like a... a- box that you can like slot them into is there like this is what i want to know is there slots is is it a hole punch method i can't i can't i will never bring myself to do that and i can't imagine they would but what if it is so right in the art on the the binder as well is from the uh the fucking battle action special what was it? I think, yeah, that's the, the, the Dread cover where they're fighting a war, but they don't actually fight a war against yeah. anyone in that battle action special. That's all I wanted to say. Okay. Write in, please. 
Let's talk about our rankings then. You said you wanted to go first, whether or not it's your turn. Number one with a bullet. Mm-hmm. Dread. Ooh, Dread. Dread. Okay. I really like this week's Dread. It had action, humour, comedy and heart. That's what, that's what you say in reviews these is days. It? Every Marvel movie has heart. Mm. Uh, which I would agree with, but, you know, it is a thing they say every time. I don't know if this Dread necessarily had hearts, but it certainly had Ooh, brains. Yeah, it had brains. Uh, this guy used to have a heart. And now he has a fist where his heart used to be. Hey, yeah. very good podcast. This <laughs> I, th- I liked Dread. I liked Helium a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And if I was being more logical about it, yeah. probably Helium first. Oh, you're not putting Helium second. Oh no, you're saying I'm, put, I'm putting Dread first, Helium second. Okay, okay. But like I, I I probably should put Helium first. But I think this was such a nice breath breath of fresh air. Mm. And it's a return to the, the energy being story that I really like. Yeah. I like the art. I like that page of violence. I just like violence. <laughs> Things to be taken out of context later. Depicted violence. Yeah, yeah. I just like depicted violence and I'm I'm it makes me want to read Dread next week. I want to mm-hmm. see I want to see where it goes. I want to see how does Judge Caspian does with his panel Dread that he likes. Um, so Dread, Helium, and then we have to do some thinking. Yeah. Probably Devil's Railroad, as like icky as some of the dialogue was. I think it was you're good. You're putting Devil's Railroad above Feral and Foe. I know you were saying about how the, the fight didn't do anything oh, for you. But... I think I am. I think... I, I, this is the thing where, like, again, we never start and say, like, this is just a bit of fun. But yeah. it's just a bit of fun. <laughs> Dread, Helium... Devil's Railroad, then Feral and Foe. I think if we're talking about the the like uh, disclaimer thing, it's it's this is a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. First of all, like we learned about it in Backerman. Yeah, if you're if you're ranked last, please don't be offended. And also, this is entirely based on our opinion of just pick your favorite, pick your favorite, pick the thing just... you like the most. And also, like even when we're like one, two, three, four, five, they could all be on the same yeah. level. I, I, which I, I think is... I do think this was a fantastic issue of 2008. I think it was for a, me. I think it was a really good issue, but. Just a little bit too quick, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that's any kind of criticism because, like, I'm also saying that I liked it, yeah. so I must have liked that it was quick. But like, I, I read it and I was like, "Huh, I just, I just, just read all that." Oh, weird. And um, so, dread helium. So is it dread helium? Devil's railroad. No, no. Dread helium. Devil's railroad. Then feral info, which is a change from the order in which they appear. Okay. And then uh, enemy, enemy earth. earth. So enemy earth last. Okay. I would say that the first four are all about the same level, and then Enemy Earth is distant from that. Uh, well, we disagree. Okay. Quite quite severely because I can accept that. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, I think, is Feral and Foe. Mm. Really, really, like I said, it's you had a lot that you liked about it. I had a lot that I liked about it, and I, I really liked the characterization and the the storytelling of that fight was great. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I mean, like I. I talk about how like I have some particular fights that stand out in my memory from Western comics. The other one that I always keep going back to is the fight between the Flash and Supergirl from mm. a, a new 52 run somewhere. The the Hell on Earth arc. Maybe. Uh, I don't think that story overall was no, that great. No. But there was a bit where they're both fighting and you just get their uh, inner monologues. I think it's the first time either of them have met each other. Mm. And they're both being like... You know, like the Flash is, is like... Crap! I'm fighting a, a Kryptonian. If I if I'm not 100 percent on my game, anytime she touches me, I am just dead. Paste on the wall. Yeah, and uh, then it cuts to Supergirl's perspective, and she's like, "Who is this guy? Why is he so much faster than me?" <laughs> and and Supergirl had been depicted as a combat monster yeah, up at that point. Yeah, 
And we um, are probably the number one fans of the new Fifty Two Supergirl maybe run so, on the yeah. planet. Oh, it was really good though. It was fun, but it was it, also it, kind it, of bad. It was flawed for yeah. sure. But um, it had a new writer every three issues. Yeah, but every one of those writers like nailed the characterization of barbarian combat monster Supergirl. Supergirl punched Superman through through the Wall of China, China the Great yeah. Wall of China. Those um, were good days. And I think it, what I really like about a fight, because what I like about a fight in Western comics is different from what I like in a fight in manga. In mm-hmm. manga, you've got a lot more visual spectacle. You can spend more time telling the the, the story in the like, blue power and yeah. Uh, in uh, the Western comics, where you've got more limited like amount of time to do that, uh, I really like it when you've got characters interacting basically. Yeah. And this was. Uh, a great introduction between two characters. And it ended with them fucking bowing to each other. It does sell and, the new character yeah, quite well. And like they, they ended the fight on, on, on a stalemate where they both had the other one dead. If yes. they had Which is probably the best way to do it because it's not like it's not the wharf effect where yeah. like the new characters come in to beat up wharf to show how powerful they are. Yeah. They, they they draw, as you say, and uh, I really like that bit where they're like on, on three then? Yeah, yes, yeah. on three. So I'm putting Feral Info number one because it had that bit in it which I thought was spectacular standout stuff. Uh, if it didn't, Helium would absolutely get my number one spot. Helium was so good. It was so good. Helium. Oh, like just everything about that was... 2018. Can you please post <laughs> the link again? I know I can go look at the comic, but it's like eight issues. Of, like, it's in a box. It's sealed. But just everything about it was just really good fun high sci-fi you uh, that kaiju mm. like uh, it was just everything about it was great they did the bit where the ship was being attacked and everybody on the bridge was shuffling about yeah. from Star Trek I loved it I think it's because we're talking about it, like it being like a cocktail of like their interests and like Doctor yeah. Who and like I think like British sci-fi films of like the 70s before Star Wars came out because there's a lot of like Peter Cushing in the centre of the earth type stuff. Mm. Like the colours and like the sort of jungliness put me in mind of that as well. Yeah. So like it's a lot of that kind of thing. Uh, which means Dread for me is third. Which um, is lower than it probably should be. I did like it a lot. But this is the thing. The thing is Helium and Feral and Foe are such great competition. Yeah. That uh, I... Because I started off this uh, podcast saying that Dread will probably be number one every single time. I don't think and it has been. I, it certainly hasn't been. No. I think there's been like... Multiple times. A, a long run of this podcast where Dread doesn't necessarily get a look in for the number one mm-hmm. spot. But that is because of the strength of the other strips that are running yeah. at the same time. Um, but I did really like it. Uh, and I, I sort of... I, I liked the joke at the end where Dread is like, can we not please get Anderson? Actually, yeah. I don't want to deal with this guy. Oh, and, and the guy in question is like being like, it's so great, I'm honest, crack team with Judge Dredd! Like the Apocalypse War when you killed 8 billion people, Dredd! <laughs> Remember that, Dredd? Um... <laughs> And Dredd's like, oh god, we've got Scrappy Doo. Uh, and then number four is Enemy Earth, and I always feel bad about putting Enemy Earth low when mm-hmm. I'm because when we've been doing this like ratings before we did the podcast, we would always put Enemy yeah. Earth quite low. It's a shame because I do think it's like the most improved thing, and I, I do I really like a lot about it. Mm-hmm. And maybe uh, we should like do a little soundtrack of me singing it's just a bit of fun. <laughs> it's just like and then have that playing in the background of any time. Because, like, sometimes it's not a bit of fun, right? Because sometimes yeah. it's, like, a bad comic. I'm like, that's definitely the last one. But, like you say, it's so hard to rank these here. Yeah, well, the thing that's not a bit of fun is a lot of things in the Devil's Railroad. <laughs> What's the Devil's Railroad? Yeah. Like? It's not God's Railroad. It's not Santa's Railroad, is it? <laughs> I, I thought that this was actually an alright Devil's Railroad overall. Mm-hmm. But, like, God, there was a lot of, like, genuinely Will hard sell stuff. Will sausage roll for 
well, Soul 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 for Soul 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 Soul. Yeah, that was that was a great panel. Great, great panel, gag. Yeah. Um, but like, I'll I'll be on a good good rapport with m- multiple ones of your internal organs. Oh, he's a bad, he's a bad guy, right? He's a ba- I'm not defending Joey White, Isaac White, or whatever he's called, White. Yeah, that was that was. I Where did that dialogue come from? I didn't like it. No, it, it creeped me out mm-hmm. in a way. But he was like, beyond just being like, "Oh, that's a that's a good bad guy." Mm-hmm. No, he's just a disgusting guy. It, what, the intention was to creep out. I would yeah. Say. So, so that is that is my rankings. Um, I really liked it. I really like this prog. It's one of my favorite ones for a while. Does it deserve the cover? Uh, no, Enemy Earth deserves the cover. It's coming back. Ooh, it's the first, first yeah, it's the first time and yeah. uh, Devil's Railroad got a cover not very long ago it would be the cover to put the kaiju on as well you could absolutely put the kaiju on if you want to do helium they did just do the Bolero yeah. Um, you're right about Enemy Earth that is yeah. Yeah, it's just back and uh, I think you could also do Dread if you wanted to do like hey we've finally got a new Dread story yeah new Dread starts here I'm yeah. surprised they don't say that because usually they call it out in the cover where it's like new Dread starts here but I suppose it's only like a one of two yeah. until the Christmas happens. I'm assuming maybe the Christmas one is like part three of like the clan car, but I don't know. <laughs> it could be. I it could definitely it. be a three parter. Yeah. I, I don't think it will be. It'll, It'll be a fun two. Remember that Christmas when they all the dreads from like the films and the comic met yeah. each other? That was great. That was a really good one. Every Christmas, I assume it's going to be something like I that. I feel like they were also calling out Elon Musk with that story. At Elon the Musk was the, the, the bad guy. He was the capitalist that invented the dimension machine that yeah. Dread turned up and was like, well, illegal dimension machine. So many years in the cubes, Musk. Yeah. Anyway, um, I think that's the podcast. We do our uh, thank yous yeah. and our collects. I mean, we have to actually do them. You can't just say we do them. We, we do them. Insert them here. We, yeah. we should just record them and then like probably should. Yeah. And then like we could become increasingly older and wizened, <laughs> and then it cuts back to young us being like, "Thanks, Jessica Key." Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Progslog. We are a Boys from the Pod production, and you can find our Patreon in the description, which is under the name Boys from the Pod. Uh, go and check out Boys from the Pod as well, although I think we've still only got the two episodes that have actually come out. Mm. Uh, big thanks to the Carlton of School of Psychic Defense for the Progslog jingle. Thank you to Jessica Kate Fine Art for foolishly donating the Progslog logo. And also thank you to um, Producer David. Yep. We never call out Producer David. No, but he does an awful lot of good work for us. An awful lot of good work. All of the description uh, for the podcast is done by Producer David, and uh, he also set up basically everything yeah. to make the show actually show. work. We're the talent. We come in. Yeah. We say something vaguely like cancelable and then we leave. And uh, also thanks to Editor Callum if we're doing thanks. Editor Callum yeah. and whoever else edits for us. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we'll see you next week. See you we, next week. We, we will be here next week. Yeah. Uh, and the week after that and the week after that. And the week after that and the week after that. Like, at some point it'll be Christmas. And, like, Check out the Patreon and uh, soon, not yet, but soon, we should have a episode of us doing this for the Judge Dread magazine. Yeah, that's it, really. Yeah. Bye. 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 Spells our soul for sausage roll. 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 And it ended with them fucking